Welcome to episode 61 of the Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. This time we're here to discuss the Lord of the Rings. Joining me tonight is Ben Beck the Gray. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I could have gone with the white. I, I had something planned to say and you totally threw me with that. So well done, sir. You're very welcome. Cat Potatoes McIntyre. Hi. Jess Sowen of the Woodland Realm. Greetings. And all must love her in dis- and despair, Jada Rohner. <laughs> And the person taking these four hobbits to Isengard, I am your host, Rob Martin. Son of Arathorn. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, so. I love you so much. <laughs> so apropos for everybody. It really was. I had fun doing it when we did the Star Wars one, and I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to stick with this. It's this perfect. Just, it matches nicely to our themes, and it just gets us rolling, and it starts the silliness real quick. But I love it. So let's start this podcast the way we start every other one, which is the question for everyone tonight is this. Would you rather fight the Witch King of Agmar or the Balrog? So two very unwinnable foes, (laughs) unless you are one of two very specific people in either of the situations. So, and again, purely a one-on-one fight. Who is ready to start us off? Everyone Everybody. is sort of here for it. The way that the no podcast for ours ever starts. Uh, I'm just going to start with Jada. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to fight the Witch King and the Nazgul because I am no man, so I, therefore I will win. Yeah, that's that's. I think that's going to be a response we're going to see probably in a few of these. <laughs> that's Cat. correct. Mine is also for that reason. Yes, the Witch King. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, no, same. Yeah, yeah. We could we could <laughs> not take not a surprise. So. Balrog is some scary shit, and that cave already freaked me out. I'm like, I'll take the thing I can fight. That's that's fine. Ben, uh, considering you called me the gray when you first started this podcast, I'm actually going to go with the Balrog. So you're going to die. Exactly. <laughs> so, right. But I'll come back as the white. Yeah. So I'll be okay with that. <laughs> I- I'm also going to do the Balrog just so I can say I smote him upon the mountainside. Um, yes. Because that's such a great line. Right? Every really time you is. hear it, you're like, that's so it's good. So I love good. that. Um, well, we have a lot to talk about. And it's very timely that we were already planning this because Christopher Tolkien just passed away a couple days ago. So um our Tolkien son. Um, so this is kind of a nice tribute to both Christopher and his father, and of course, this entire universe of Middle Earth. So that is a great place to start is when, and the way we kind of start most of these topics is kind of where our introduction to this stuff begins. And does anybody here remember their first experience being introduced to Middle Earth? Not Lord of the Rings specifically, but Middle Earth. Um, almost <laughs> probably everybody, and it's all going to be, I have a guess yeah. what it's the answer the is for most people. Uh, Kat, so it's probably what the answer is for most people, but um, when I was in grade school reading The Hobbit, that was the initial entryway thing because it was a very widely recommended book, and that was actually one of my big gateways to fantasy in general, and <coughs> I thought the story was really fun. I didn't love The Hobbit, so I read that one, and I was like, ah, oh, it's okay, but then I read the um, Lord of the Rings and like completely fell in love with it. Um, Jada. So when I was about four, my sisters were two years are, are two years older than me, and so my mom actually read all three of us The Hobbit because they had started reading it, and she wanted to include me in that. And I, being four years old, wasn't like you know as avid of a reader as my older sisters. So she read us The Hobbit. Uh, my mom is also a huge Led Zeppelin fan, so we were constantly listening to their music, which was heavily influenced by J.R.R. Tolkien. So you talk about like little ways that you don't even realize. Yeah, I didn't um, know that. How 
this, ramble on. I mean, ram- ramble yeah. on. I, I have so it, much. Of, oh, I so had much no of Robert idea. Plant's songwriting was based <laughs> off of Tolkien lore and and a lot of it, a lot of the books and everything too. Yeah, a lot of it is. So uh, go back and listen to it now. You'll hear it. That's, yeah, if you, yeah. Listen, if you listen. When he's talking on. about the tyrant's face was red and like all this other stuff as you're going through uh, Battle of Evermore. Battle of Evermore is one of Evermore my favorite. Evermore is fav- the yes. most blatant. Oh yeah, yes. that one's oh my yes. god, very specifically Lord of the Rings. Yes, that makes um, sense. I never realized. Oh my gosh, yes. So go back and listen to some Led Zeppelin after this podcast, and you're gonna be like, God damn it, Jada was right. Um, so I remember being read The Hobbit as a very small child, and then there were some movies that were made in the like the, I think it was the 70s. They had like the animated the cartoon. Yes, the cartoon. Oh my yep. So, yep, yep, the cartoon versions of those movies, and I think we found them on VHS one time, and we watched them. Um, also, my sisters, being a little older than me, I remember going to bookstores, and uh, they bought one year. We had saved up like all of our Christmas money, and we bought a, a leather-bound volume that's the full um, Lord of the Rings trilogy, and we that's read that awesome. all together. I think they were around twelve, and I was around ten. When we did that. Yeah, for me, I'm, I'm just going to jump in right there, too, because my first introduction was the Rankin and Bass animated Hobbit film, which was oh, so okay. huge. That was mine as well. Um, and that's the one that everybody remembers very clearly. And everybody's like, wait a second, that's that was Rankin and Bass? the same yep. type of animation as The Last Unicorn. Yes, yes. correct. I don't think I actually yeah. ever watched it in full, mm-hmm. but I, I appreciated from afar because it was the same type of animation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, most definitely. Jess. I definitely read The Hobbit by myself uh, when I was around 10 years old. I was a very ambitious kid. That's around the time I would start recommending it to kids anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of picked it up as I forget if it was a summer reading thing or if I just was going through the school library. But um, I also, a few years later, because I'm the baby, uh, a few years later, Lord of the Rings did come out. So uh-huh. I timing was perfect. Yeah. Grew yeah. up with it very perfectly. Yeah, where, it like came I, out was when I was in, in high middle school. school. I have very vivid memories. <laughs> yeah. of... I was in middle school and we really yeah. got into it. Oh my um, god, no, yeah, I'm there. <laughs> we had a lot of fun with it. I specifically remember the day uh-huh. that I saw Fellowship for the first time, and mm-hmm. it like completely changed me. So, oh, oh my yeah. god, I, we'll definitely go into the movies. I'm sure quite heavily because they're such a great representation, like visual representation of oh the story. God, yeah. But Ben, uh, it's same thing with the Rankin and Bass, uh, the 1977 animated series. That was my first introduction to it. Uh, I'm going to be completely honest with you. Uh, I love the films, uh, even the the Hobbit trilogy. I have not read all the way through the actual Tolkien. Books. It's okay. I read the Hobbit. <laughs> And the two towers, because I wasn't as familiar with Lord of the Rings, and it wasn't until I was in junior high. Were you very not even? It was like two towers. Uh, I was probably no lie. I think it was actually eighth grade, and I just went to public school because yeah. ca- our Catholic school library had very little for yeah. us to pull from. So that was where we normally mm-hmm. got books to read, mm-hmm. and that's where I read some of the early, early Star Wars books. Was in our our grade school library but um going through that and they're like this is what we have in this classroom feel free to go ahead and find a book that you want to read and we'll do a report on and i grabbed the two towers and i'm like not knowing and the teacher looked at me i'm like and she was like kind of had that moment where like the hand goes up and the mouth drops open and then she's like never mind (laughs) and i'm like and I did not realize that as I was the second in the trilogy that as I was trying to consume this book that it was just fully lost on me because this was my because it gets into one of the things we're going to talk about in a moment is like introductions to high fantasy yeah. and how that can be very overwhelming to a lot of people. But trying to read that, not ever really being much of an avid reader at that time, I was like, it's fine. I forgot they made an animated movie about this, so I watched the animated whole Lord of the Rings thing, which was. 
the charcoal versions of yeah, the Nazgul really and the good. Dark Riders, and it yeah. was super creepy because it was that old rotoscoping that Disney did like way back in the was day. Was that the one where they actually had some things that were filmed and they almost like yes. they animated so, over top of that? Right, that's what they did for uh, the Nazgul. So yes. it was the same way that you think of, and this is Ravenclaw. Me being <laughs> Ravenclaw, and me, but like Cinderella uh, yeah, and yes. Sleeping Beauty uh, and Snow White were all rotoscoped. They were actual live actors that did all the sequences, and the animators at Disney drew over all of them to make what we see. So when okay. you watch those old original Disney animated films, they have such fluidity and grace to them from something from the fifties, mm-hmm. and yeah. that shouldn't have been prevalent and normal and that was because of rotoscoping but this was a tiny little company that did this that really didn't have much money and you could definitely tell when you watch some of those sequences like as a child they really pop out because they're kind of creepy in the same way that like night on bald mountain is and you're Mm -hmm. like this is just it's you're watching a charcoal painting come to life um but not a good representation going back and seeing it many years later um very very bad version of that film that is very truncated into about maybe 80 minutes for all Mm. three books so it was uh but that's but it got me wanting to go into it and i did eventually kind of start reading bits and pieces before i'm like everything's an appendix. did you ever read it in full no uh because everything was like here's a footnote here's an appendices and i'm like i'm done i'm I'm just done yeah full disclosure i don't think i ever actually finished all the return of the king really yeah i read fellowship when i was a kid and went through all of them and then got to Return of the King the was very, like, yeah, I mean, it does movies, take forever. Which is not, well, fellowship takes forever, especially yeah. if you're, you know, 12 years old trying to get through it, yes. looking up things well, in the dictionary. Here's a good question for everybody at this table. If you were introduced to it as a kid, yeah, did that spark an interest into fantasy or was this your first fantasy? I think was, it, was, it was not mine. I would say probably the first fantasy fantasy film I ever saw was Wizard of Oz. Okay. So I don't think it was my well, first I'm sorry, fantasy. Let me but phrase that. High fantasy. High fantasy, yes. Like definitely. It had to have movie been. Or right. just movie. Either or. Um, book? I want to say... I'll put it this way. If you knew of elves, orcs, dragons, things like that... No, I know. Like, but I think I had read some other fantasy before My largest Lord of the Rings. prior reference to anything fantasy would have been Harry Potter. So I already was interested in fantasy as a genre. Okay. But I think as far as high fantasy goes, yes, The Hobbit would have been one of the first things I read as a high fantasy. Okay. I don't know if this would count as high fantasy, but my first introduction, I think, is Hitchhiker's Guide. <laughs> no. That's sci-fi. That's not even fantasy. High fantasy is Would Arthurian so, yeah. tales count as high fantasy? <laughs> That's no. kind of a mixture of a historical context uh, and mythology. Bag. You're not helping yes. me here much. So no, I, high I, fantasy well, would be things like... With, with dragons it's, it's and mythological... Big, yes. Um, usually it's in a... His, like Not a historical setting, but like a medieval type setting. Correct. And it usually features a lot of like big power clashes right. over evil versus good. Well, and that's there's why, no well, reference that's why I was to our world. If like, Arthurian yeah. would be counted too, especially if you count Merlin. But there's and no such. reference to our world. High fantasy implies that there's no reference to the world totally that we live in. World. That it's gotcha. completely yeah. separate. Well, if that's, that's where Arthurian's a little blendy. If that's, that's the tricky. case, then it would most likely have been Fellowship. Would have would yeah. have been my first introduction then. Okay. Yeah. I'm also gonna say yes that The Hobbit was my first introduction to like actual high fantasy. I think for me it was like uh, it was like something probably along the lines of actually yeah. Come to think of it, it was probably that. But like then it starts to blend a little bit in my brain like thing of like 
you know, some of the Arthurian tales told from a different spectrum, like watching the movie Excalibur as a kid. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was, that was, that's something I would kind of slightly consider almost. Well, that's fantasy. what I was referring to when I said with Arthur and Morgana and such. That's, that's also, it's, 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 it's writing a line uh, because it's not traditional. You're Gandalf the gray to, areas. You're talking to kids about high fantasy, which is a very specific <laughs> nice. subgenre of fantasy. Like <laughs> there are multiple yeah. ones. There's contemporary fantasy. There is mm, like that's true. Urban, I mean, technically, low fantasy, fantasy is a term. Low fantasy low is a term too. Like so, that's why we're getting real technical over here. Okay. But then I would say probably you guys were like, well, actually, we did. We totally just did. Well, actually, actually the whole thing. Very for sorry. me, then, more than likely, it was probably in the realm of like things like video games and such. Sure. Um, that makes sense. Kind yeah. of going into like the original Final Fantasy probably was because mm. that was sword and sorcery style. Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah, not. It was. It, it that was before was, it got kind of like. Yeah, it was a very specific cyberpunk. story. That was, I think I probably played that when I was like four or five years old. So that. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Well, you have, final, you have the original first Final Fantasy was like 1985, 1986. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, or that or like Dragon Warrior, which was another one that too. Would make sense. Yeah, so that's actually a which really is Dragon's good Quest way to relate now. it. Yeah. yeah, so so that would that would be a good connection point. So, but mm-hmm. he definitely, I mean, he did pull from Arthurian legend. I'll talk about that it's later. True. Don't yeah. worry. <laughs> okay, we'll get there. Yeah. So here's a question then too. So with high fantasy, was it a little overwhelming for anybody here when you first were introduced to it? Like. Is it a lot of concepts that blew your brain open a little bit and you're like, okay, I'm having a hard time kind of grasping these because it's just terminology after terminology. Jada? Um, I was four, so when I first heard The Hobbit, it felt like going home because as a child, like you're you're just so open to all of that stuff. I'm like, well, of course there's dragons. Why wouldn't there be? Of course there's goblins and that they turn into stone. Like it just makes perfect Mm -hmm. sense. And the way the Tolkien writes these things, it is just like it makes perfect sense. Well, of course this happens because of course it would. You know, it, everything has a purpose and everything has a way and his way of storytelling just kind of hones in on that in a way, but just it makes it so, I don't want to say ordinary because it's high fantasy, but it's like the world is so complete that it just all makes sense and everything fits together. And like when I, since I was introduced to it at such a young age, it honestly just does feel like going home in a sense like anytime i watch those movies and middle earth is a character in and of itself exactly feel it's a living breathing place that you just feel completely at home and it's just like oh you can just go walking through the shire and picking carrots out of you know the farmer's garden and just you know do your thing you sure cut okay just it wasn't necessarily the story arc or the concepts that i had problems with it was Tolkien's writing. I mean, the man rambled. I mean, yeah, he's he great, and he was very verbose, but to a 12-year-old, you're going, okay, we get it. They're in Lorien. Can we move on with the plot? Please. He's the, he's the Tarantino of our I understand of the authors. color of the grass and how it moves in the wind. I would like to get on to the conversation they're having. He was a historian, um, right? He was, oh, mm-hmm. well, yeah. yeah. He was, was a medieval say, scholar. Yeah. Um, but You can tell. For the Hobbit, like Jada said, like my nephew was read the hobbit when he was like three or four and he understood the text he was engaging uh-huh. with it asking questions Aww. so it's not the story the story like you said feels so familiar mm-hmm. it's more the fact that tolkien as he progresses gets more verbose <laughs> and more difficult to understand very sometimes. much so yeah. i would say i um i think starting with the hobbit when i was young was like that bridged me right into lord of the rings i also I probably, I, I feel like Lord of the Rings probably launched a lot of my fantasy reading because then I pretty much exclusively read fantasy after that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, like, that was, 
I remember the Lord of the Rings books. I enjoyed while I enjoyed them a lot more. Like Jess was saying, it was very long winded. So I mean, like as long as you could bypass that, I think The Hobbit was a good enough precursor to kind of get you in the zone for the different terms getting thrown at you. Yeah, I would agree with that. I I, I think you know for me, like I, from some of the things I already was introduced to, it was it added a layer of complexity that. Mm-hmm. Again, four or five-year-old brain just can't comprehend because at four or five years old, you're like, oh, my God, an ATM, there's this magic box that spits out money. But you don't even have a concept of what money really is at that point. So you're kind of like, okay, dragons, exactly. You mean I can swipe a plastic card and buy things and not have paper? And then four-year-old brain also goes, what's plastic? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, but I can definitely see that for all of these points. How about you, Ben? Um, I did not read Fellowship until college. So, I mean, it was like 99, I think they made the announcement that the Lord of the Rings trilogy was happening and then it was released in 2001. So I was in my freshman year of college, I think, when I finally decided (laughs) to pick up the book. Yes, I know it makes... I don't know if it makes... You don't want to know how old I was in 99. No, I probably probably don't because then it further... Ben Beck the Grey, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. I was 11. I was eight years old. I was eight. I think I'm the you're, oldest you're at this table brother. by like a mu- by like a week. You're my Not brother. Sure. You're my brother. I'm the I'm old. the 16th. Yeah. Yeah. November. Yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah. By like a week, I'm the oldest <laughs> at the table. Yeah. Um, yep. So, but I mean, it's so. I mean, the complexities were there, considering that I was reading. I hadn't read anything that complex even in high school because I wasn't an avid reader through high school. It wasn't until college I became an avid reader, and I'll be honest, it took me probably almost a year to finish fellowship. But that's also because I was in college and I was reading other things. So, I mean, I got through it and it was a little bit more complex than anything I had ever read. But I don't think it was anything that was impossible to understand. Okay. So, did that was this a kindling point, though? Like, Kat, you mentioned for you, it was like, yes, all of the fantasy all the time. I then went to read, um, oh my god, what was it? I read a lot of Terry Brooks when I was younger. And his first book... Um, in the Shannara series was pretty much just Lord of the Rings. So, I mean, <laughs> he didn't go too far Mm-mm, there. No. Mm, it was no. it was just plop right there. I'm like, okay, great. This is exactly what I feel like reading right now. I wanted something more original, and thankfully it progressed further. But I just can't remember, because I know I was reading Lord of the Rings around the same time that I was discovering, like, Tamara Pierce. Ooh, and I don't yeah, remember yeah. which was first. That's what Because they were both with. such big formative authors in my life Mm -hmm. and i don't remember like which came first chicken or egg kind of thing and i had lloyd alexander too because oh that might have come first black cauldron yes Mm. the uh pertain chronicles (laughs) and we had the same (laughs) yeah so black cauldron like even the disney animated film that would be considered if that's the case then black cauldron would have been my first introduction okay Okay. that's a great one (laughs) that one in the movie theater I think I did too, actually. Yeah. <laughs> the author of Black Cauldron um, lived in Drexel Hill. Yes, he oh, did. Neat. Hey, yeah. that's where I live. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving out my address. <laughs> <laughs> it's no sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that we kind of got the introduction piece out of the way, so how do we feel that Middle Earth, you know, The Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, ha- why it has such an important place in pop culture? And then that kind of gets expanded upon a lot because. You know, how it's, what was J.R.R. Tolkien's work here? How did that influence fantasy as a whole? But in addition to, like, and let's get to that part. 
And then let's try to look at this from an avenue of what do we think that would be like if he never wrote this and how we think fantasy might be now. So, Jess, you will take Just your radio really off. quick. Mm-hmm. Frankly, the fantasy genre would not be what it is today without mm-hmm. J.R.R. Tolkien. And that was he defined the entire thing. And that's what I one of the yes. things yes. is: do we feel yeah. that the genre would be almost non-existent? It, it would, would probably prob- exist. Yeah. Oh, I think we're no, saying no, exactly the same thing. thing. Sorry, <laughs> I should have put my hand up. Um, I feel like it would it. probably exist, but it would be drastically different. But I mean, just every little nuance and every little thing that he did within creating middle earth really his creation of middle earth and creation of the hobbit and the lord of the rings um conceptually really just it created the entire genre like 100 percent. well even like if you think about all the archetypes people use for fantasy they Mm -hmm. are all from his and even if you look into like Dungeons and Dragons, things like that. Dungeons like, and Dragons was pretty much created lock, stock, and barrel exactly. from the Lord of the so Rings. So I mean, without Lord of the Rings, there wouldn't be any of that. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it really... Gary Gygax just basically said, yeah, I'm just going to do that. Right. <laughs> He's like, I want to take this adventuring party. more of that? <laughs> yes, how do we get to be those characters from those books? I know. But I mean, you look I mean, at it, pretty much plan. all the artwork from any... Any sort of like fantasy game. Look at the artwork from Magic the Gathering sometime. It is pretty much lock, stock, and barrel. You can pick out scenes like, oh, this could be the swamps. These could be the, mm-hmm. you know, the mountainous fires from Mordor. This could be this. Like, it's all so I mean, even if you think derivative. a lot. A lot of, too, like, if you even look at, like, romance books and when they really started reaching, like, a, a large major point in, like, pop culture was around the 70s and so forth. Like, that's really where, like, you saw this massive explosion. I mean, they've existed far before then, but, like, the way that we think of them now today, like, today, when, like, they're kind of rise in importance in, like, avid book readers. Even a lot of the stuff that looked at, like, the ideas of some of the high fantasy sword and sorcery stuff and all that, like, sometimes, like, you saw some of the cover art based off of people like like Boris Lehu and all, all took inspiration from things like Tolkien. As did Led Zeppelin. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, yeah. it was there was a lot of that all in that time in the seventies that was that became a really big linchpin for a mm-hmm. lot of that stuff. Cat and then Ben. Yeah. So I mean, I even remember hearing from my mom, um, when those books were coming out when they were younger. It was such a big thing that in the end of the second book, you didn't know if Frodo lived or not. Mm -hmm. And people would spray, like, you know, people would graffiti Frodo lives or Mm -hmm. things like that. Like, when the book came out, it was such a huge thing because people didn't know. So, they mean, even then they had that, like... Waited with bated breath. We need to know what happens. And people have like, yeah. <laughs> the way it infects pop culture even back then, mm-hmm. like but at a time before the internet, and which is crazy about that because like you don't have a way to spread that message, but it was all like the water cooler moments between friends and such. And, and so. not only that, but you think about how many authors who have, oh, I'm sorry, I totally no, just stepped on going. your toes. Um, how many authors who are writing high fantasy like George R. R. Martin and even... Like we were looking at my, I was watching the trilogy over the weekend with my kids and my daughter's sitting there going, oh, look at that spider. It's just like Aragog from Harry mm-hmm. Potter. And oh, look at this. It's just like that. I know who he's such a this. And I was like, you know, these books existed decades and decades well, before I mean, those the, were conceptual. Even, <laughs> even the Nazgul were practically Dementors with steel helmets. That's exactly what we said. Yeah. She's like, they look you like know? Dementors. Yeah. And we're like, well, they're, de- mean- they're Dementors <laughs> with armored helmets. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what the Nazgul are. But I mean, get, just jumping on, you know, like what would exist and what wouldn't, uh, you know, I just wanted to make it quick. You mentioned Led Zeppelin again. The whole battle of who's better, Led Zeppelin or Pink Floyd, would be non-existent <laughs> because Pink Floyd would have won. Led Zeppelin would not have been popular because of the Lord of the Rings references. 
I'm going to go out on a limb. I agree. I'm going to agree to disagree. disagree. (laughs) That's a statement. I don't think it's correct. Did you see Robert Plant in the 70s? I did. You're right. (laughs) Chess. I was just going to say that part of the reason I think this is so long lasting, I mean, think of the depth to which the entire series spans. Not only do you have the books themselves, but you have the index, the appendices. The man created mm-hmm. entire languages, yes. wrote his own Bible, essentially, his own you know, Wikipedia, his own wiki for this series at a time where these things didn't exist. No one went into that much detail, and he did. Because mm-hmm. he was brilliant. He was brilliant and he also really, really, he was probably a Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly. Just, yes. Just yeah. throwing that we out there. We claim him. Yeah, I here, mean, here. <laughs> I, I wouldn't be shocked. He probably loved the research. So, uh, no, not probably. He did. He was a professor um, of, of medieval studies. Yeah, like the mm-hmm. dude knew a lot. Translated uh, Beowulf. There's a Beowulf translation um, by him. Also, yeah. also, I mean, spoilers, but the Ravens pretty much saved the day at the end anyhow. So, yeah. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. He is like, a Ravenclaw. House pride. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if you think about, um, I mean, like, you mentioned the appendices, and I was like, has anyone actually read Silmarillion? Not in its entirety. I've tried many I times. I've tried quite a bit, because I, oh, like, no lie, because, so like, it, after, again, my uh, my brush with the two towers trying to comprehend what I was looking at, and they're like, oh, you know, there's a whole bunch more stuff that you can learn about this world, and that's what my teacher said. Instead of saying, hey, by the way, there's a book before this one, yeah. she brought up the Silmarillion, and I'm Why? like, and she gave me a copy of it, so and I was like... She recommended you go from the two towers to, to the, the Silmarillion. Silmarillion. But let's let's was she trying to kill your dreams? I think so. (laughs) But she's like, let's forget about the book before and after. And I'm like, I'm just confused. She kind of was. I'm not gonna lie. She was a Catholic school (laughs) teacher, right? No, no, no. This was a very underpaid um, junior high uh, teacher in in our in the mid '90s who was probably like, you know what? I'm good. I don't care. Let him do his. I'll put it this way: she wasn't an English teacher. She didn't do anything else. Her, she was the reading teacher. Ah, so okay. she was one of those ones who was like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> <laughs> on, a, on a quick side note, like I mentioned um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, and I know somebody mentioned having a hardcover of Lord of the Rings. I have a, a hardcover book that has all of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the I Galaxy. I have that too. In mm-hmm. one hardcover book. I have I that love too. That. That's the way I, to read them. Yeah. I love that book. But the Lord of the Rings books are so long that it, you can't find can't. a one book no, with all three no, stories. No, no. And I have look- them. It's just... I'm looking on Do Amazon now to get monster? a good hardcover collection of all three stories. You are paying a minimum of fifty to sixty dollars. I told you yeah. we saved all of our babysitting money and everything for Aww. it for months, and it was literally this thick. Yeah. I think it's That's still at adorable. my father's house. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It has like illustrated pages and all the things. Oh my God, that's awesome. I'll have to find it for you because I know I own I wanna it. I want to see it. If, if, not, really if, cool. if it's not at my father's house, then I guarantee you it's with one of my sisters, probably my sister Rhiannon because she is the nerdiest of the three <laughs> Weaver girls. So. so looking at this real quick, you know, we talk about its importance with like fantasy and how it involved, like, you know, really kind of was responsible for bringing things like Dungeons and Dragons into the fold, like creations of orcs right. and like the way that we think of elves and all these things uh, those are the depictions we see from here mm-hmm. outside of fantasy how do we feel like it impacted pop culture though because i feel like we just were at fantasy just purely fantasy because i'm sure you know in the grand scheme of things cat you you know like we all talk about mm-hmm. the the frodo lives angle of it and all yeah. so we know it was like it was the it thing yeah but you know, especially when we look at today, where like you can basically throw a rock and hit seven different fantasy, like you know, genres and or not genres, but like franchises or pieces like that. Now, it's the archetypes, 
and how they they live within everything like you know the king under hiding and I, i'm gonna say gravity falls did a really great job of this um when they did their dungeons and dragons or dragons and dragons episode <laughs> and they were going through the different characters and they literally said hot elf and it's legolas nice <laughs> yeah um and i mean it's just like within everything and you have like really you know is. your elvish princesses like you think of these archetypes and you think of elves you think of high elves or you think of like christmas elves yeah and i mean or you think of like orcs and you think of dwarves and you think of... I think of cookie makers, but go on. You think of cookie makers, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's within those archetypes that you see them and you can almost pick, like pinpoint them out and say like, oh, like what kind of character arc is this person doing? I can go to a LARP and see somebody dressed like Legolas. I can go to a con and see somebody dressed yeah. like, uh, like Frodo and... Um, and Samwise, and you think of these things and how they intri- like how intricate they are, but also how they've sort of infiltrated every aspect of society, and it's really incredible. That's just the way I see it. Okay, yeah, I can definitely see that. Anybody else thoughts? I think because it was high fantasy, and we were talking about the different subgenres, it kind of yeah. allowed for those subgenres to exist. Yeah, you know, you have this yeah. high fantasy that becomes the archetype. And then maybe people go, okay, but what if they're in our world? And there you have your low fantasy or your urban fantasy. So yeah. without J.R.R. Tolkien, Dresden Files is Correct. not a thing. Oh, I think well, you I could mean, totally like, say that. Yeah, because if you look at a lot of the archetypes you still get, like there's a little, there's their variants of a lot of times that bleed into the other stuff. It's like, ooh, we have instead of like, I think urban fantasy tends to draw into a little bit different stuff, sometimes like fae, things like that. Um, but a lot of that is very like a lot of the she are very yeah, well. The fae are basically elves. the high elves. Yeah, so yeah, essentially. Well, I mean, we already it's talked about part. it. A, we already talked about it a little bit, but I don't think anything like Harry Potter would exist without Lord of the Rings. Certainly nope. not. Definitely yeah. not. Nope. I mean, we looked at some of the comparisons, like the Dementors and stuff. There's ogres in Harry Potter. There's uh-huh. dragons. I remember in Harry being Potter. very upset that the Dementors did not look more like Nazgul when they revealed <laughs> that design. Just for the record. So, watching the movies over the past weekend with my 12 year old Harry Potter obsessed daughter, um, <laughs> almost 12, she'll be 12 next month. But um, she's sitting there and she's like, she's going through like what Hogwarts houses all the characters would have been sorted into. <laughs> oh my kind of girl. She, oh my gosh, it oh was my adorable. Goodness. It was great. We were going through all the Super things, and cute. she's like, oh, he's totally a this, and this person's totally a that, and she's looking at. Mary and Pepin. Yeah. And she's like, oh my gosh, they're so mischievous. What ho- what house would they be in? They're like, and I was like, Fred and George. And she was like, yeah. And I was like, sweetheart, they were Fred and George before Fred and yeah. George were Fred and George. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just like watching and seeing how all the different archetypes, again, infiltrate everything else. But, you know, along with that, the different elements and the powers and all the other things would be. So. Well, I mean, even if you look at Ron and Harry, I mean, that's a similar relationship to Sam and Frodo. I mean, you know, they have their outs. The original bromance. Exactly. Original yeah. bromance. Although I got to say, Sam's way better than Ron. Sam is definitely. Oh, Ron is like, be nice to Ron We had Weasley. so many conversations. Stop picking on the Weasleys. Listen, I listen, Ron has his toxic moments, most definitely. But um, I'm going to say that Samwise Gamgee is the most wholesome character in all of it. And my daughter and I were sitting there watching it and she's like, he's so, he's so good. He's so wholesome. He's cinnamon so sweet. Roll. He, we did yeah, refer to yeah. him as a precious cinnamon roll many, many times Sam, because he is and he saves the day. Samwise Gamgee is the reason why I was so sad when Bob died in Stranger Things. He is the original <gasps> right? part. Yes. I mean, honestly, if you really think about it, yes, it is the Harry and Ron, but yeah. Sam is, is, is Harry and then, you know, Ron you think it's is the other way around? Ron is the Frodo, you know. <laughs> That's accurate. If you actually kind of think about it, wait a second. Because think about it, Frodo wouldn't have succeeded. Yeah, Frodo. He got tempted again at the very end, and he almost he kept the he tried to keep the (sighs) ring. Spoilers. But like the 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 
the heart and the core of it all was Sam or Harry. Sam is truly the heart of the story. So like yeah. you, you yeah. see yeah. more Absolutely of an interlink is. between the two of them, mm-hmm. I think, than the way we think of because it's the main character, you know. Mm-hmm. And at uh, some point, they both had to take on a giant spider. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Don't talk to me about those. No, thank you. Well. Nope. So I want to post to you guys. Why does my I'm... fantasy always have giant spiders? <laughs> Why? Because of Tolkien. Because of Tolkien. Because it's yeah. his fault. Yep. So <laughs> good question for everybody that is this then. Let's, because I, we normally wait for a lot of more of the creative stuff to be post, but our, our post gets a little goofier this year <laughs> uh, on the start of this episode. But uh, I, I really want to post to you guys, what do you think, if we were to remove Tolkien from the equation, I want your perspective of what you think fantasy would look like today without that. Because we all said it, we, we think it'll be dramatically different, but I'm really curious to get your take because there's a lot of people here that are very, very well read with fantasy and trying to remove that from the equation. What does Dungeons and Dragons look like today? Well, that's what, actually what I was going to say. I think, honestly, without Tolkien, we wouldn't have a regular monthly D&D game. Mm. If we did, it would be drastically different, I think. Well, think but about how? But think about those things. Now, that's the question is it's not it's not going to be non-existent because, well, here's the thing. The idea of dragons existed before Tolkien. Yeah, that's true. The idea of like certain uh, other you know creature types existed, but they weren't put together and shaped the same way. Um, most likely, because I mean, this is actually what Tolkien did too. It would have just been in a different variant, but what continues to be perpetuated for fantasy as a genre is folk tales, like you know myths, things like that, stuff like you know. Every civilization has their own sets. So like, you know, in Ireland, the Banshees, things like that, like any sort of supernatural creature explanation for things that would perpetuate. I was going to say, I was going to say probably if we think of things like, you know, the Iliad Iliad and the Odyssey, you know, Cyclopses would probably have been replaced. Clash of the Titans and and And, things and such would be. Right, right, right. So. So I just feel like I need to note as far as like historically, the books were published between 54 and 55. He kind of wrote it all in one go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they were published in pieces because the publisher was like, no, you can't do this all at once. <laughs> um, George R. R. Martin needs to take a lesson. Yeah, yeah. right? So um, Maybe actually finish a story. Yeah. But I also think because of the time that it was published in, I mean, it wasn't that far post-World War II. You no, have to think I mean, about like, it in a historical context. Most of it was written during, during World, during World, War, World II. War II. I think he may have served in World War One, if he I did. remember correctly. And I feel like that has a lot to do with it and influenced the story very heavily. Oh, so yeah. Yeah. if the story had not come out this close post-World War II, it probably would have been very different and shaped. It was his escapism. Exactly. Is what it, there's a great movie, actually, that uh, it was Nicholas Holt. Uh, yes. was yeah, played, yeah, it was. Yeah, Tolkien. Oh, I Tolkien. haven't seen yep. that yet. Well, uh, and and, and it, takes, it takes place during World War One, and you're following the life of J.R.R. Tolkien. And as he's going through these atrocities in his life, he's creating Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit. Yeah. Well, I find it funny, too. It's an interesting comparison that you bring that up because of the fact that, you know, you mentioned that was Tolkien's escapism during the war. That's also how comic books and Marvel came to be as well. So you look at these two massive different different entities. You look at Steve Ditko and and Stan Lee Lee, and all these people. And they both stemmed from an escapism of the war. They just went in two completely different directions. It was, well, Marvel comics and DC comics and Time Billy comics at the time is all... Very again, it's escapism, but it was also science minded versus. Yeah, I just feel like you can't yeah. separate him from the history of it because he yeah. was a history professor, and because very, of when he wrote well, it. Well, I mean, it's that it's, you really need to take that and into that's consideration. Why Tolkien goes that direction, yeah. and Stan Lee and, and Ditko went more almost like propaganda 
with, mm. you know, Captain America and such. Well, Jesse, you even brought yeah. up the fact that, like, he translated a version of Beowulf. Oh, my gosh. He was a crazy medieval, medieval scholar. He knew Old English. He knew Middle English. He translated Gawain and the Green Knight. I could oh, go Jesus. on. The man was brilliant. Kata, you look like you were I don't know that I can follow that. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm just going to just I'm just going to mute everybody's mics and just let Jess this talk. Is the I Jess took show. a medieval lit studies course in college and it had a very big impact on me. All right, come back to me when we're going to talk about Hamlet. No, we'll be fine. Um, anyway, what I was going to say is I feel like... Um, I feel like the fantasy genre would exist, but I don't think we'd have the world. I don't think, mm. no matter what type of high fantasy you're looking at now, it always, it's some variant of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. When you look at like our campaigns in Dungeons and Dragons, it's some variant of Middle Earth. You look at so many other different, like the Shannara series and so many mm-hmm. other different settings of fantasy, it's always in some variant of Middle Earth. I feel like you would have those fantasy elements maybe just kind of overlaid on our our world. But what you don't have is the actual Middle Earth setting and how complete it was. So I have a question because I generally don't know this. And mm-hmm. I'm looking at Jess and Kat for this. C.S. Lewis. Yeah. With, oh, when was that? Spiteful Ta- Writing Bros is my <laughs> nickname for them. Oh because God, really? they literally hated. They loved to hate each other. Oh, they were frenemies. Amazing. They loved frenemies. frenemies. But they were both of they were both part of this both like society of like writers that would meet like in Oxford. Oh my god! And they would like. Well, that's why I was asking all meet, because I, I was curious about talk where, shit about each other. Where that's Chronicles amazing. of Narnia and that they know, were writing them the around the same time. Timeline. Okay. Yeah, Fun fact, real quick. Too. The reason that Narnia in Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe has a lamp post in it is because C.S. Lewis was like, my fantasy world's going to have a lamp post. And Tolkien was like, that's dumb as shit. And <laughs> C.S. Lewis went, watch me, bitch, and added it into Lion, the Witch, oh and the God. Wardrobe. Historical so, fact. It was a spite post. Oh spite post. Spiteful writing bros. They love to hate each other because they also didn't agree. I can attest, spite writing actually gets you real far. Right. It's pretty awesome. They were also both very Christian, but they didn't agree on some of the fundamental uh, Theology yeah. and ideology, which is so why they would I think go back and forth with that. a lot more of the Christian, you know, mythology and the Jesus Christ figure and in all the C.S. things Lewis. in C.S. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Then, yes. and you don't see it at all, really. In I mean, you do. There's uh, it's a little bit, but Gandalf's yeah, true. I mean, like the Return of the, the King, a little bit, and the Sun. I guess, but yeah. like it's it's There's not as like shove it down your throat no. as it is in C.S. Lewis. This lion is God. This lion is Jesus. Watch him as we kill him, and but then also, he is reborn. I'm going to make a point to that, because I read the Spoilers. Narnia series like over and over <laughs> I as I think we're okay on the spoiler warnings. <laughs> I know. That's why I'm saying it, because it's funny. <laughs> but I read the Narnia series over and over, and I feel like if you read it as a kid, it didn't hit you as heavily over the head. And I think C.S. Lewis's work was very much more geared towards children, whereas Lord of the Rings wasn't. Yeah, definitely not. Yeah, yeah. Not. Hobbit was. The Hobbit. But Lord of the Rings was. Lord of the Rings was definitely more verbose than most kids yeah. could handle. So Except I don't for think, Jess. I don't think they would have been able. They would be like, oh, God. I, I, I think a movie that, I, I, in my opinion, would be it was, is heavily influenced by Lord of the Rings and Tolkien's story was my first introduction to a particular creature. And I think without Tolkien, we would never have gotten this movie. And my impression of this creature would have been vastly different. And that's dragons. The movie Dragonheart, which is a more traditional sense of the dragon that we kind of get, except it's a British actor speaking for it. If without Tolkien and... Scottish. Scottish. Oh, Scottish. That's right. (laughs) Uh, Sir Sir Connery was was, was Scottish. Um, He is, isn't he? He's not dead. I said, sir. You said he was Scottish. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, sorry, no. Don't kill him off. As in, like, retired. He's retired. <laughs> please. Retire please. From being Scottish? Five years ago, he was a hip grandfather dog that rode a skateboard for an animated film from Scotland. <laughs> retired. But, but I mean, it's. With, without Tolkien, we would have never. I don't think we would have ever gotten a movie like Dragonheart. And my impression of a dragon would have been Pete's dragon. Aww, would, would have been Elliot. Yeah. So without yeah. Tolkien, I would have never had the impression of dragons that I have now. Right. Mm-hmm. So I have a question for everybody. Then is moving into our next piece here. Without, <laughs> tangent over. Tangent over. <laughs> it's like we got to move. We got to press on from Rivendell, guys. Come on. We're we're we're, we're not even out of the Shire at this point. <laughs> We stopped in the uh, Green Dragon. This is the furthest we've ever gone from home. We're still in the first ending of the trilogy. We have to get through five more. What about elevensies? So, (laughs) that's to come. I promise. I promise that's in here. So, obviously the question is, one of the things, and I think a lot of people already know from us, is how we feel that it currently holds up into today's standards. And this is where things like... The movie interpretations are going to come in a little bit more. It's quite okay. Uh, versus um, talking about the books because a lot, you know, we talk about books and how much the book itself had a large impact. So we know that's very much eternal. Kat. Um, so I honestly think because we just rewatched the movies and stuff and it, A, like the movies hold up amazingly. I haven't read the books in a lot of years. I think the writing is a little more dry than average <laughs> stuff. You know, even fantasy produced nowadays. So that might be a little bit more of a struggle. But the themes from it are so wide spanning. Well, there's like nine heroes journey stories essentially in. There are. But I mean, like, you know, one of the big things is, you know, even now, like Samwise's speech in the middle of Two Towers, um, that one, every time it breaks me. But I mean, that's also something that people still really hold on to now when there are darker things going on. Oh, then maybe there's good in the world and you have to hold on to hope. And I'm like, every time I hear that, I I teared up. So many tears. Just two weeks ago, I was like, eyes. I'm like, just just, just wipe the eyes down. It's fine. It's like, it's fine, guys. It's just the fact that the room is really dark and the the TV screen's hurting my eyes. Someone's cutting an onion in the (laughs) other room. It's dusty. Very, very dusty. (laughs) But the other thing I really noticed is like, because the focus was on such big themes and and i mean like it was a different world but i mean there's a lot of ways that you still could have seen like misogyny filter in and things like that but there really wasn't a lot like there weren't a lot of female characters and we'll get to some of that in, in the a, next oh, point yeah, so sorry that's a thing <laughs> well actually it's going to be in this section but okay. i mean this it, it this feeds into it so if you would like to go into it feel free but i mean at least the one that like i remember with aon like in the books especially she was actually very well developed like she mm. was really interesting she remind you know it was i liked all of those like alana from tamara pierce type characters and aon was that type she was the warrior like she I was the fight. original of that type right it's true. actually it's very true <laughs> Without Eowyn, Sarah Connor is not Sarah Connor. Lily looked at Eowyn and was like, she's a Gryffindor. And I'm like, you're damn right. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll claim her. Yep. But you really think about it, though. If you, the way if you look at Eowyn, that's our badass female heroines that we got in the 70s and 80s were probably very much Oh, very connected. derivative, but, but in the best possible ways. Yeah. Having read like stuff that came out 
uh, I forget when the Belgariad came out, but like things like that and other books that were like really well renowned as like these are fantasy books, blah, blah, blah. The female representation was garbage. And so even though there wasn't a lot of it in Lord of the Rings, what was there was quality. And that in itself was rare. So, I mean, like, I think that still holds up. Absolutely. And you're also taking into consideration that he was writing these books in the 1950s. I know, which is why it's amazing. Like, it's really, really impressive. Jess, do you have anything you wanted to add to that? And again, I'm going to look at the two of you a lot tonight. No, that's fine. I agree (laughs) with the female characters. I think they were well done. There was just a distinct lack of them compared to the rest of the fellowship. By far. By far. Um, (laughs) That was one of the downsides for me. The only other downside is as I get older, I take a look at these stories. And this is my literary criticism hat going on here for a minute. You kind of see the colonialism present in it Mm -hmm. and how that's kind of rampant, which you don't realize as a kid. You know, this man grew up during the height of the British Empire. That's when he's writing this. So I think that carries over to today to a lot of our fantasy with this lens of colonialism and conquering lands and races, which was not, which was a product of the time. And I think we do have to read that now with a a critique, with a lens of critique. That is a, that's a very yeah. Very, I just very figured that we I should bring it up. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. that's I mean I, I mean it's very I mean a, a major key point. Like you talk about that, but also like again the the whole idea of conquering, but also right. just on top of that war against this horrendous enemy at right. this point in time. There's the connection between the European Union against the Nazis at this mm-hmm. point in time. So you have this unspeakable evil and it all connects and it's the same way that we look at things now, even from a political spectrum. Well, I just yeah, totally made another parallel to Lord of the Rings in my head that I'd never even really clicked until right now when you started talking about colonialism and the conquering and the, you know, the warring and all of that and how that influenced Avatar the Last Airbender. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very, very much yeah. so influenced by Lord of the Rings, if yeah. you look at it from that perspective, yeah. which I have loved that show for years. And I ne- it never really even dawned on to me. And just I was today years old when I realized <laughs> that. <laughs> but I mean, I think also, though, too, and I even brought up and again, we're not going to get into personal politics really here, but it's right. also the idea of, you know, the little guy standing up against the unspeakable evil. And, and mm-hmm. that speaks very true to us today. You, Kat, you brought up the, the same speech and it's. Mm-hmm trying to have people have hope in a time that feels like there's no light left in the world. Uh, and that's the way that a lot of people are feeling right now. It's not just in the U.S., well, but it's also very... also a parallel with the resurgence of Nazis. So... Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, yes. like, you know, alt-right movements and things like that. And it's very yeah. fitting that we're, we're having conversations about finding hope on, on, again, Martin Luther King's birthday today is when we're recording. So it, yeah. it's very... The timing of this conversation feels very perfect and right, um, kind of looking at that. But yeah, it's it's very interesting when you look at it because, again, because it's, it is a hero's journey and it's the unlikely hero and it's the unlikely leads. Because uh, I can't just see lead. A lot of times when we talk about Star Wars and Luke Skywalker is the unlikely single hero in this. Every single hero in this Frodo's is not is, the lead. <laughs> but I'm saying is, though, if you look at if you look at the story of the Lord of the Rings. Sam has a hero's journey. Aragorn has a hero's yes. journey. Frodo they has a hero's journey. Merry and Pippin both have hero's journeys through that. They all completely grow as people and right. they learn. I mean, like, you know, Eowyn does. Yep. I mean, you know, like... Faramir. Yeah, yeah Faramir, like Boromir, all, all these characters. Legolas and Gimli do too. I mean, I mean, for them, they you, we're not really following their story. They're more kind of along for the ride a little bit more so than some of the other characters. But like the main focal points that we're really dealing with, it's actually, it's kind of funny when you think about it because I haven't really before, but the human characters are the ones that have the hero's journeys. 
What's kind of interesting about uh, it is... The Hobbits too, though. Well, yes. But I'm, I'm talking about, like, you know, if you think about, like, Gimli and Legolas... Oh, yeah, they don't really, really get as much. Um, I would give them the story arc of they learn in a hero's journey in a sense because they are learning to stop prejudging each other and they're learning acceptance. There, There is, but I'm talking about more like the, the traditional hero's journey versus an acceptance. Point. True. Because if you look at the hobbits, though, the thing about the way that they treat the hobbits, they treat them like they're children. Yeah. And versus everyone else who are adults, even though they're adults as well. But that's the way they treat it. So I think it's kind of interesting. But I do understand what exactly what you're talking about, though. I think that's really... more of a redemption arc. I would. Yeah, say. yeah, yeah. I get. That's totally get you. Uh, go, go ahead. Share with the class. <laughs> oh no! I just passing went... notes over there. <laughs> yes, we are. I went totally fanfic on it and said, um, "Gimli and Legolas's journey is enemies to friends to lovers." Thank you very much. That's their journey. <laughs> You know and they would be for Legolas' next act, tossing the dwarf. And it's not what <laughs> you think it is. Totally <laughs> new meaning. Yes, correct. I was planning oh on watching these God. movies after this podcast, and I think you just changed my entire view. You know, you know, there is definitely a large element of non-toxic masculinity yes. within this I mean, whole thing. There's this. a lot of there's a yes. lot of love. Frodo and Sam are basically husbands anyway. It's they are. It's adorable. I'm, I'm now not going to be able to watch these movies without thinking of tossing the dwarf. <laughs> oh just, no! You're, you're welcome. welcome. It's ruined. <laughs> One of the things I loved with um, the masculine representation in Lord of the Rings, though, and this is another thing that I think is very, like, good and, you know, positive to push forward into today, is, like, they're all very physically affectionate with each other. Everyone. Like, on the good guys team. Like, Well, there's a scene where Frodo, I think he kisses Samwise's forehead, forehead, uh, either Sam or kiss... One of them kisses the other one on the forehead. Yeah. And it's the most wholesome and sweet thing it's you'll ever see. It's very ever. sweet. And like, I mean, Aragorn does it. I mean, you know, all of them are so comfortable with their friendships right. that you don't see any of that like you know, toxic Two, two guys out in the wilderness stuff. and it gets really cold. I mean, you're sure they're going to spoon most nights. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's six months that they're out on the road. It's it's not a short, short tale. But I look at Mary. you. Mary and Pippin, mm-hmm. though, like Mary and Pippin's, so wholesome. Their their friendship mm-hmm. is as equally, if not tighter, than even Sam and mm-hmm. and, and Frodo's. It's, I mean, mm. they're Sam and Frodo's. I mean, they are, but I mean, but like, <laughs> you're getting the flip side of it. You're getting the two kind of like the rascally hobbits over here. That's true. They're um, they're the comic relief hobbits, and yes, their their relationship as a friendship is incredible. Just watching their mm-hmm. journey. I mean, I watched the movies like two days ago, so yeah. when they it's have, also very fresh. When when, when they're reun- reunited on the field, the oh my field god, of I cried from Minas when he finds him. Oh my yes. god, that's amazing. when he finds him on the battlefield of Minas Tirith, I was like literally it in tears because you forget. So and when they separate in the part. I know it sounds like cheesy, but when they separate, when they're at Rohan and um, they're taking Mary to go off to uh, Gondor to Minas Tirith, and he's like broken up, and the other one, he's like, "But you're coming with me," and Mary's like, "No, Pippin, I'm not." And it's like this is like this this, is... this could be it, and like and then he just like he hands him the last of their long bottom leaf, and it was just like. Like, I, oh, you get choked up because that brutal. was a precious commodity, yeah. Yeah. you know? And you're just talking like that. It's like, this is the last gift that you could ever give me. Like, this is, we're, we're possibly never going to see each other again. You could go off to this and you could die and I could die yeah. here. And it, again, each I, of them had an incredible well, hero's journey. Well, they're even well, taken they from their archive. And like the yeah. fact that like Pippin's terrified and Mary knows it. And even though Mary is hurt, it's just kind of like, I'm going to console my friend. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's the emotional relationship that exists. But then you get like the flip side where they're hilariously adorable and like drinking the, 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 the wellspring from, um, from the end forest mm-hmm. and like trying to fight over who's taller oh, and that sort of thing. Oh my, I'm three foot eight. No, I'm three foot seven. 
Well, there's such an innocence to the relationship, too, that I think just brings it to I don't know that it's innocence. I would say it's more wholesome. Well, I mean, but I think they kind of go hand in hand. When I say innocence, I mean, like, it's it's almost like a... What's the, what's the word I'm looking for? It's I mean you know, they're we, very we, familial, you know, like they were cousins and they're just. I so feel like tight. everybody on the Shire is cousins. But I mean, not, basically, right. yeah, well, that's I a mean, fact. It's, it's almost like when I say innocence, I mean in a way it's almost like an ignorance, but I don't mean that yeah. in a negative way. Meaning okay. like because they've never seen this outside world outside. It of comes the Shire. in pints. Yeah, oh my exactly. God. exactly. It's things yeah. like that that makes I think brings like an innocence to it as well. You know, it's like you mentioned like comparing a sense of wonder. Yeah, and okay. it's, yeah, it's like you've been like you said they're kind of treated like the children you're seeing children who have kind of off on their own for the first time the hobbits and don't adventure the hobbits don't leave the shire yeah. mm-hmm. they 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 say they have a love of eating drinking and having fun like so the fact I mean, that there's it's a pretty sweet life I'm not gonna lie. but i mean like the fact that there's like sadness in the world is kind of goes over their heads so yeah. the fact that like when they come to danger like we don't understand why we should be terrified yeah. mm-hmm. so when they're when they're confronted with it it's it's you see it in their faces even if it's something small they're kind of like, you know, the worst thing for them is, you know, they're in Farmer Maggot's crops again, and you know, <laughs> they're going to get, a, you know, a stern talking to, and that's about it. The worst thing is, is they don't get second be- breakfast. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, it's, you're right. I do see yeah. what you mean, though, but I mean, it's, you, you look at a pair of, you look at a pair of characters who, before this journey began, used to steal fireworks from Gandalf, you yeah. know, and, and light off. That was like the, the height of their mischief. So this is something new to them. It's making me wonder, and this is again going, this is the lip kidding me, but um, it's making me wonder if uh, the whole, because back to the world war, like the war parallels and things like that, you know, if the hobbits are representative of children in that childlike state of, you know, safety and wonder and stuff like that, how the children were changed in the war and how that affects them and how the smallest can still... (laughs) <laughs> the yeah, Shire yeah. is very much meant to represent the innocence from the mm-hmm. before time, before the war yeah. kind of affected everybody. And even, I mean, we're we're talking even possibly before the First World War because it's all like they're so isolated and they were so happy to just kind of, they, as they say, they were happy to ignore the world of men and the world of men was happy to ignore them. Mm-hmm. And they didn't, you know, they didn't intertwine themselves in the politics of what else was going on. As long as they were left alone, they were happy. So you're looking at isolationist theory versus mm-hmm. the maximum. 1900 to 1942. Exactly. Is essentially yeah, the so time the, that the, shapes everything here. Right. right. Um, yeah. So what's the word I'm looking for? Like um, men and max versus, uh, see, this is the hot toddy talking because I'm not remembering the actual <laughs> word. Ah, you're fun. <laughs> um. You're so you're looking at isolationist theory versus like more of an inclusive worldview. And mm-hmm. they were very happy to exclude themselves. And many countries were very like happy to. globalization? Yes. Or, okay. Um, microcosm, macrocosm was what I was looking at. Oh, okay. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so you're looking at them very much isolating themselves and not caring versus now they're thrust into this world and right. they have to care. Mm-hmm. So they choose to care when they could have just gone back to the Shire and pretended Which like none of this existed. Which is also what happened existed. in the war. Uh, exactly. <laughs> in, in the current events. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, not current events, but yeah. Yep. Jess. I was just going to say another big part of this non-toxic masculinity throughout the entirety of the fellowship is that you see people being fallible. You see not only um, in Aragorn, like realizing that he's made decisions that have put the rest of the fellowship in danger or that have, when he's in um, uh, Helm's Deep and he's making these big war decisions that he knows are going to cost lives versus even Boromir making the decision to try to take the ring. And you see like him being just a, a human 
a person, mm-hmm. but you're still rooting for him. Yeah. yeah. Um, the oh, older I get, the more I really one, feel one for of, Baromir, you one guys. Of my, yeah. One of my favorite moments that I just want to bring up, and Jada, you can feel free to jump in right after, but um, is there is the moment in Helm's Deep, and oh. they captured it so beautifully in two scenes, and it's the two scenes that get me every time. It is when Legolas is looking around, and it's Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn, and it's the comment of like, most of these men have seen too few winners or too many. Mm-hmm. Too and, many or too few. And yeah, yeah, and they make that comment. And it's just kind of like, oh, every one of these men is going to die. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. it's Aragorn. Uh, and he says that in Elvish. And Aragorn pipes up. And it's that comment of like, and I'm going to die as one of them. Mm-hmm. And you see the tonal shift of the room of every person in there. And they're like, we're not getting through this. Mm-hmm. But like, you even see the same moment with one of my characters, I think, is the person that I adore through that entire story is Thaden. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah. But it's the moment of yeah. the horse so the horse and the rider, which is still one of my favorite moments from both the movie and from reading in the books, is like his final moments of like, this is the this is it. This is what's going to leave us as people. And this is the moment where I have to step up for everyone, but also not feeling like I have to take the burden, but at the same time I get to be amongst the people that care. Um and it was I think those connect really beautifully because, again, you, this is the moment that, again, you see them as leaders, but also as people that are ready to give everything, but also are accepting that the things that they've, the mistakes they have made led them to these moments. And I think that was really kind of beautiful to watch that play out. Are you talking about the scene where they ride out from like the No, throne? so the horse and the rider is right before the fight of Helm's Deep. It is when Gamli is actually armoring Theoden. Oh, and he has, yes. That's the poem that's yes. from the book. And it's actually a dramatically longer if i remember if in the book yeah. everything in the everything book is dramatically, dramatically longer, longer. <laughs> yep. but it's it, hey. it was like um you know show me the wind that was blowing you know and it, mm-hmm. it ends with that line of how did it come to this is what it's like this like man meeting their fate oh yeah um but it was but it's such this beautiful moment because you're seeing like the most grim moment but them being like this is all of them still choosing to stand to fight for their beliefs and all of these men, whether they're children, old men, women that choose to want to fight into this, even though in this specific battle, uh, you know, that's frowned upon, which is unfortunate. But, um, you know, you still see, I think, this really beautiful side of this masculinity that's not like, we've got this, we're going to destroy them all. They're like, no, this is our time. Well, is it Aragorn who says we ride for ruin and the world's ending? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Excellent. Oh, my God. The line's <laughs> I think so the one good. that really always sticks with me is when um, it's Aragorn having a conversation with Eowyn right around the same time. It's around the Helm's Deep. And, um, you know, she's sitting there. She's standing there. She's practicing with her sword. And he goes to parry with her. And she just kind of looks at him and was like, you know, we learned long ago that those who did not bear swords could still die by them. Mm-hmm. I fear neither pain nor death. Yeah. And that was a very defining moment for her because she's just like, I stand with all of you. And, you know, I'll ride out and die with one with the men just as well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's that's like some of the like the foreshadowing that he builds into her character. Mm-hmm. But it's it, to me like that. You talk about things that give you chills that line every oh time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Every every I just got time. Chills. I know. Yeah. I did too. <laughs> so good. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, like I said, it, it's amazing because, again, this such a story from over 70 years ago now, you know, we're, we're looking at back and you're like, this is more relatable than most of the concept that's made today. 
Yeah. Which is crazy because I think if we were to talk about, like, let's talk about the, you know, the joys of Ant-Man and Ant-Man and the Wasp. We'll, we'll be like, well, it was really fun when he got small in that scene. <laughs> you know? But it's it's not the same. You know, like, you yeah. think about it, like, you know, we can talk about, like, Game of Thrones. And yes, but also when we think of Game of Thrones, we were like, oh, okay, hey. All of it still stems here. It's the same thing. You know, we, we reconnect it. But it's, it's very interesting that we think about it. And this is... This is the heart and the core of what we think of this this kind of realm. One of the big differences, though, is a lot of it, like, um, Lord of the Rings was very built on that unified view where everyone is coming together. Whereas, like, I feel like, you know, stuff like Game of Thrones is very politically based and everyone's fighting for themselves. You know what I mean? So it was a very, like, this is about... You know they're the, fighting to save Middle Earth as opposed to fighting for one single Iron Throne. They're fighting. Exactly. They're fighting to save it rather than take it over. Exactly. Or and rule it. <laughs> yes. yes. And there is a really beautiful, you know, thing with everyone coming together like that. And I think that's timeless. Like unity, community, things like that. Like those aren't gonna fade. It's a fellowship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. They're a brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I get the title. <laughs> Mind blown. <laughs> what? <laughs> so I want to end the first part because we're already in an hour, which is not a surprise. <laughs> um, and we've got plenty more to talk about. But I wanted to give everybody here an opportunity to give at least one recommendation. If you have two or three, that is fine. But we'll try to make this under five minutes. Uh, for people that are really enjoy, enjoy things like high fantasy Maybe a different avenue of things if they really thoroughly love The Lord of the Rings, if this is their only knowledge of this or like the thing that they grasp onto, something else that they could check out and try to continue looking into the evolution of it or even just a continuation. Jess? Before I get into that really quickly, uh, the first part of this continued lore, I feel like we should talk about this for one second just because of <laughs> Christopher gonna, gonna Tolkien come, and all of that. that. Oh, we're okay. Gonna, we're going to start we're back with the second Okay, and that. then got it. Um, but this is more just purely just if we want to add a little bit of the continuation of, or not the continuation, but rec- some recommendations. Oh my gosh, so many. Um, <laughs> this is literally what I do for a living. Uh, yeah. You had mentioned the Shannara series, yeah. which... I don't think they hold up. I found them very derivative. <laughs> they are. Which, like, they, they are. But if you like... as he went along, and then they just plateaued. Right. But if you like fantasy series, definitely go for it. Also, my two recommendations would be Wheel of Time... By Robert Jordan. Although you're going to get a lot of politics. Be ready for the politics. (laughs) It's going to be forever long. Or you can wait for the TV show that's going to be Or you can wait for the TV show and also be prepared to not hear from your favorite character for like a thousand pages. Um, And also the King Killer Chronicles by Pat Rothfuss. That would be what I would recommend. So well written. Would you like to talk more about them? Um, We absolutely should because (laughs) I oh I need to tell you a thing. But um, (laughs) the King Killer Chronicles. That is the name of the wind, correct? Yes, Yes, and Wise Man's Fear. And um, they're beautiful, beautiful pieces. You would probably appreciate it, Jada. Like it's um, there's a big music element to a lot of it. Um, I put them on my Witcher end cap at the store. Nice. I needed a Witcher themed end cap, so those are on there as well. I would definitely recommend Brandon Sanderson has kind of become the new giant in the field. Um, he. Finished writing Wheel of Time. He finished writing when Wheel Robert of Time, Jordan which passed. is actually his big like yeah. boost up. And he really gets inventive with the genre. So he does a lot of creating of his own. It's kind of like, I mean, he actually gets very, very in-depth without being dry, which is great and creates brand new like 
really really fascinating magic systems like archetypes things like that so it's a it's really i would recommend um Mistborn. Mistborn. Where yes. do you start? You start with Mistborn because I honestly haven't Mistborn read any start, of him. It's a trilogy, real easy read. Okay. It's a, it's fascinating because there's like metal. Um, they they burn metal to use magic. Different types of metal per different types, and each one does a different thing. It's neat. Uh, Jada, what is a good recommendation for from you for people that want to continue in with high fantasy? It can be from any avenue. Okay, um, it doesn't I have would to be say a book. <laughs> so. probably just get into some sort of like RPG or LARPing nice. in that system because then you get to create your favorite characters, be your favorite characters, and act as them. Would you say so, is, along these lines, Pathfinder D and D? Pathfinder D and D would be a great one. Those are always you know people's little gateway drugs. Um, <laughs> Uh, if you want to dress as your favorite character and have, you know, an affinity for spirit gum on your ears, wearing elf ears all the time, uh, you know, and finding your favorite little fantasy LARP or just enjoying some cosplay at okay. the Ren Fair is always yeah. a good plan. And you can always look state by state. Uh, most most major states all have a couple large scale live action role plays that yeah. go on across Absolutely. across the states. So. Ben, how about you? Uh, well, first off, thank you for stealing Robert uh, Jordan because that was going to be one of my recommendations Did as well. Did you read him? Uh, I have not, but I, well, I've started it. I have. To I only got halfway time. through. Yeah. I stopped at book series. six. I stopped at book six too mm-hmm. because I just couldn't mm-hmm. anymore. You stopped at book six. I stopped at halfway through book one. So <laughs> you know, we're a little different. Um, but I'm gonna go actually a different route. You guys went with books, JD. You went with live action. I'm actually gonna go the video game route. Yeah. Um, and I'm gonna recommend Elder Scrolls. Uh, games like yeah. Morrowind and Skyrim and things like that yeah. are pretty much. Those are perfect. I'm gonna yeah. piggyback Absolutely. off of that and yeah. recommend Dragon Age. Yes! Oh, oh that's yay, a good Rob! One. Yay! Because that would be high fantasy. Also, yeah. The Witcher. Yes. The Witcher. Yeah, The Witcher oh, would 100 yes. be out there Witcher too. Witcher is very much high fantasy, and it's making. And me so again, happy. you know, just watching even just The Witcher on Netflix right now is a really good, so good. wonderful, good. great place to kind of get your feet wet. And there's a lot of places where you see that expanded upon a lot more. Because that still feels almost more like the Arthurian, but they're like, here's an occasional monster or two. But you know, wasn't Witcher based more off of Slavic tales? Yes, because yes, the writer was. is Polish. Yeah. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but you see it, see expand, uh, expanded upon in a different version with CD Projekt Red, who made the video games, and they just had their third entry about four or five years ago. <laughs> and then uh, we now have you know things like Dragon Age has been around for seven, eight years now. I want to say, give or take. I think longer. Uh, it's maybe been about nine. Eleven. Eleven years, eleven years for. I was trying to see if I could include it in the last decade of games, and the first one came out right before that. Right, two thousand nine, I think. But yeah, they both have three games. Big (laughs) surprise. So, (laughs) uh, but like I said, it's a really good place to kind of get started. But I would highly recommend early Dragon Quest slash Dragon Warrior. Yeah. Based on where you're, you know, from, obviously in the U.S., it's Dragon Warrior, then Dragon Quest. It comes after Dragon Warrior One, I think. No, Dragon Warrior Three. Then it switches. It's weird. <laughs> Europe standard, a uh, European naming and U.S. naming, and then early, um, you know, Final Fantasy games are really great for that kind of look and lore, uh, with that high fantasy angle. I think for video games as well. So, um, but I think with that, why don't we take um, a little bit of a break? Then we'll come back, get into a little bit about Christopher Tolkien's additions to the universe of Middle Earth. And then we'll get a little bit more creative and start playing with some other concepts and some of our favorite characters. So uh, with that, we'll be back in just a few.
And we're back. So one of the things we didn't get a chance to get to before break was talking a little bit about other parts of the Middle-earth continuity that should still be explored post-Lord of the Rings. And this is not an area I can really speak of very heavily, but, you know, obviously Christopher Tolkien had a large role to play with a lot of that. Uh, Jess, you obviously seemed like you wanted to make sure we still got a chance to hit this point. So I wanted to give you a couple moments to kind of, you know, introduce us to some pieces we may not be as familiar with. So... Yeah, he really did take what was left of his father's work because there were a lot of unfinished things that Tolkien left and did his best to get them out to the world because of the great success of Lord of the Rings and all of that. Um, the ones that I would probably recommend for someone who who just wants more would be uh, Baron and Luthien, which is a really important one. Um, it's kind of an epic poem. Um I don't remember, you guys are going to have to forgive me uh, for all the big Tolkien nerds. I don't remember their exact uh, place in the overall mythos, but the poem of Baron and Luthien was very largely based on Tolkien and his wife. It's an epic love story. And he basically wrote it for his wife. In fact, on her grave, I think it says, is it says Luthien, like it, the names of the, oh God, it's, yeah, intense and wonderful. And I love it. And I'm going to get all misty eyed over here. Yeah. That's definitely one to check out. Uh, I know there's the unfinished tales of Middle Earth, and I need to think of what else there is. I might need to look it up. But he published, Christopher Tolkien published a whole lot of other things that are not part of the initial Lord of the Rings canon that are worth looking into. This is just a completely ridiculous aside, but when she said, I'm going to look it up, she went to reach for her phone, but in my head, she was reaching for a giant leather bound volume (laughs) and several scrolls. Not that far off. Well, I mean, I you know, obviously he kind of spearheaded the estate for a really long time. So a lot of the things that have come out over the course of the last pretty much 10 years and any, well, actually beyond that, even whether it was the many video games that have come out to like... Well, that was actually what I was going to ask if Shadow of Mordor and Shadow of War would be considered part of his repertoire because they came out while he... Well, they were their own unique stories and takes. They weren't really taking from any of the existing work uh, of Tolkien. They were just kind of looking at some pieces and loosely framing some things around it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know we're about to get, I think, a game that's purely based on Gollum's story, like, is one of the other really? components coming. I think that's supposed to be... That was recently announced. Uh, but I know, you know, Shadow of Mordor, Shadow of War. Um, you know, we have the Amazon series that's going to be starting, I think, in 2021. Um, Did they ever confirm where that's going to take yes. place? Uh, I'm so still unclear. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings takes place in the dawn of the Fourth Age or the Third Age. I'm trying to remember. third. Third. So this yeah. is the end. This is the end of the Second Age. This is the events that help lead into the end of that Age of Man. Uh, so it is basically we're going to see it. All of those components happen before these events. So I know they said they are going to be looking at some components from things like the Silmarillion and things like that for some of the appendices uh, to be able to pull from those. And they're utilizing that as some of the cornerstones of the story. But other than that, for the most part, this is original original material? No, they're they're utilizing a lot of Christopher Tolkien and J.R.R. Okay. Tolkien's And the work. Silmarillion pieces, yeah, because the Silmarillion was kind of fragments and um, like Baron and Luthien, for example, was mentioned in the Silmarillion, but then Christopher Tolkien took the the bunch of writings that he had found on it and kind of the end of the second age during the end of the second age is the Hobbit, right? So all of that it's around that time. Okay, so it's it's going to be before that, but before we get into you know, because I mean, I have been following it. I know they just recently announced the cast of the series, and I I, it is something I do want to see. Yeah, so I mean, and Amazon is 
spending an obscene yeah. amount of money on it. I think it. it's their hot, most highly financed hope... series that they've done. Did we? Are we going to talk about this? I'm just going to say it now. I really hope that they go the route of uh, Peter Jackson and use more practical effects. Uh-huh, I think that's 100%. why the movies hold up as well as they do. Yeah. Because the CGI is present, well, I do but more not limited overwhelming. and not yeah. overwhelming. I think Peter Jackson is a, uh, is not even connected to this I at all, but I do is. believe that they're using Weta, uh, the Weta okay. workshops, so the people that made the film. Okay. Because um, uh, that was even unheard of when that age of films was out because nobody was really saying, let's make like 700 sets of armor, yeah. um, which Weta was like, we're going to do the thing that nobody thinks we should do anymore. And they kind of brought practical effects back to the well, forefront. I mean, which thank got- God they did because it really made the movies so much tremendously better because There's, they are that epic. They deserve that. They, they, mm-hmm. There was very few pieces if you watch those movies now that you're like, oh, glaring CG. You know, mm-hmm. like right. there's a couple scenes that stick out but not very it's minimal. Not very, very minimal. And for being the early 2000s, that's huge. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's really big because not the a, a lot of other movies don't hold up as well. No, there's mm-hmm. only a handful from that timeline of all that, and even if you go back to you know, uh, you know, the Sorcerer's Stone, and you look mm-hmm. at that, and you're like, oh god, yeah, I'm like, it's painful. Yeah, it's it's very weird too how movies with practical effects usually tend to hold up better than CG. I mean, you look at movies like Jurassic Park. The Jurassic Park still holds up because of the because of the the, the, the robotics the, and stuff, the that animatronics they use. Yeah. and such, and the only few sequences that don't again purely the CG, yeah, purely the CG sequences, and you're like, eh, okay, sure, yeah. <laughs> so I can deal with it. Yeah, all right. So I figure one of the places we can kind of jump into the continuation of our conversation is obviously Lord of the Rings is known as one of the best trilogies of all time. And this is an opportunity for us to talk a little bit about some of the others. So where do you think Lord of the Rings stands when we think of trilogies between books and films? Does it is it on the top of the pile? You know, for people here? Or, you Are we know, talking pure adaptation or, or overall? Overall. Okay. I mean, like. When we really think of things like if we think of traditional trilogies and, you know, a lot of people go to Star Wars four, five and six and things like that. And people are like, oh, the trilogy. And everybody's like, I've been in conversations and people will get so and they're like, oh, Star Wars. And they're like, no, no, no. Lord of the Rings, the only true trilogy, you know, people have treat treat it with such reverence. I mean, but you get those differing sides. So that's why I kind of wanted your guys opinion a little bit. It, it when it comes to I have to I have to base my comparison on film only because again I've only read Fellowship I haven't read Two Towers or Return of the King, mm-hmm. um, and when it comes to trilogies, Lord of the Rings is my number two, Star Wars is my number three. Anybody who knows me future. knows what my number one is, yeah. and that's Back to the yeah. Future. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And no trilogy will ever surpass Back to the Future to me. But if there was ever one to come close, it's Lord of the Rings. Yeah. I mean, I read a lot, so there are a lot of trilogies, but if you're talking about massive pop culture franchises, then yes, Lord of the Rings would be my top because it's the most representative of fantasy, which is what I've always been drawn to. Yeah. Jada? Um, For me, it's definitely the number one trilogy when I think of stories that are a complete arc from story to end Mm -hmm. told in a three-part series. It is implicit in my brain with Lord of the Rings because it is. It's completely... One story to the next. I mean, there are side stories and things that you could build off of it because it is such a total and complete and huge world. But when I think of a story involving these characters from start to finish as a trilogy, it's definitely this one is my number one. As far as trilogies go, it's really hard to say whether it's been Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. They've both been just so 
essential yeah. to my pop cultural experience and to who I am the role as a person. of sci-fi fantasy. You right. Know? Yeah. Um, if I had to kind of expand it to larger just series, I can basically be broken down into Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Lord of the Rings. You and me both. Yeah. Like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is a very large part of who I am as a person. So uh-huh. um, for trilogies, it would be a toss-up. Okay. And it's so funny to make this comparison, too, and you look at, like, the extent of Lord of the Rings has had in other pop culture, which we kind of talked about a little bit earlier. This whole making the comparisons of the better trilogy has actually been used in other movies. You look at Kevin Smith's Clerks 2, where, you know, the character says there's only one return of the... There's only one return, and it's of the king, (laughs) not of the... Or it's it's of the... Yeah, of the king and not of the Jedi. And, you know, this, this is a comparison when it comes to movie trilogies that has been... A part of pop culture for a, a long time. Well, because there aren't many other movie trilogies that are quality throughout. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Back to the Future is definitely another one of them. And then we've got mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, Star Wars. Can you name another one? Godfather. Godfather. Well, we don't talk yeah, about the third one, but Rob. the third one. Yeah, yeah. We don't. Yeah. I mean. Mm. Right. But I mean, it, it's. There are. Well, I mean, Indiana Jones is one too until they made Crystal Skull and then that yeah. kind of no, they ruined didn't. it. I don't know what Oh, they didn't make about. Crystal Skull? Yeah. Okay, no. <laughs> I must have imagined no, that one. Fine. No, yeah, that's just a trilogy. We're not going to talk about Robocop yeah. here at this table. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I, I I mean, the reason I kind of wanted to bring up the idea uh, of this is obviously the trilogy because of course it is. But the reason I wanted to ask you guys this was because of out of the parts here, which one is the big favorite for everybody here at this table when we're talking about Lord of the Rings? I am. I have to go with Two Towers. I mean, I'm with you on that. Two, two towers, towers is my favorite of, of the trilogy. My answers funny. differ if we're talking about movies or books. Well, I, let's, I yeah. frankly, hear because Two Towers is where the meat of the action is happening. We've already established mm-hmm. these characters, and now we're seeing what they can do. And they're all off on their own. You have like basically the three separate storylines happening in Two Towers. So it's the most exciting. But I will always have a soft spot in my heart for Fellowship of the Ring. I think it is a fantastic movie, and out of the three, it is my favorite. Mm-hmm. You know, what's funny is I always think of Two Towers as being my favorite of the three of them because it does leave you with that cliffhanger. You have so many different story arcs going on at once, as you were just saying. Mm-hmm. But watching all three movies, and we saved we saved Return of the King. We watched that in one full day because that is a day's worth of movie. Uh, yes, it is. And watching that, how they tie up, how how all of the little loose ends are tied up, and how you know all these different storylines come together, and you really see the denouement, and you see that like epic battle, and then sort of the, what comes to fruition, you know, out of coming out of that, it's honestly one of. Uh, I may have to say that that one is actually my close second. I love Fellowship and, you know, it's the start of the tale and Two Towers just has it has so much passion and so much ingenuity, but just getting that perfect ending and it really is a perfect ending for every single character there from Return of the King. It's just like it gets me every time. My, uh, I just got to say it's my friends, you bow to no one. Oh my God. Oh, oh God. Yep, yep, yep. So Tears every time. Every, that every is time. one of the <sighs> biggest scenes. It, Kills me. It's it's it's, so it's official now. I'm starting the Lord of the Rings trilogy tomorrow. <laughs> I kind of want to. Yeah. Well, actually, I, I have a, a just general question for you because I didn't ask because like when we talk about these movies and you know, obviously we have two versions of these films. Did you guys watch the theatrical cuts or the director's cuts? Oh, I oh my god, extended, extended edition. Oh, I, extended all the way. I watched the extended, extended as well. Are yeah. you a true Lord of the Rings fan? If yeah, you don't right? point Do you out even which Lord scenes of the Rings are from bro? the extended I know, edition. Right? I mean, yes. come on. Do you know what's like, funny about that though? Is I. I 
all the times that I've watched Lord of the Rings ever, I've only watched the extended since they came, since they released the yeah. extended. Yeah. So many times to the point now that I don't think I can tell you what Not scenes anymore. were at. I could because I couldn't. I don't remember now. I can because I I watched I the can. theatricals so many times before the extendeds even came out. Yeah. So I can be like, that's different. That's different. It was like seeing like I a cannot. new hope in the theater when the special editions came <laughs> right. out. I'm okay. like, that's new. That's new. And my dad's like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was like that, but with the books, with the, um, when I saw the theatrical, because I was like, what about this part? What about this part? Mm. But at the same point, they've added a lot of the big things that I wanted in there in the extended. So I really, really love those. So I think we can kind of roll into our next point from here already. And because this is very going to be a different answer probably for a lot of people. But I really wanted to know what everybody's favorite character was that they connected to the most. And I'm sure there's going to be a couple of repeats here, obviously. Cat, go one. ahead. <laughs> Sam. Sam. He's the hero. He's the hero. <laughs> yeah, he really was the heart of the entire trilogy. Like, everyone had these amazing roles to play, but, like, the steadfastness of his character and just how he continued to persevere through everything and still like hope was I think the fact that he could still be soft despite everything going on was really beautiful Mm -hmm. like that was just really cool to see do you think that he's perhaps like do you think he's like Tolkien's like sort of impression of himself in the world oh interesting that'd be really neat I never thought about that (laughs) Jada, what about you? Who's your favorite? I love me some Sam. Uh, honestly, he he's just a beautiful character. He's a beautiful soul. He has a pure heart. And a, as my daughter kept saying yesterday, he's a sweet, precious cinnamon roll. And Middle <laughs> Earth does not deserve him. Um, although we do deserve him. Um, there's, just, there's just so much about every single one of them. I'm not even sure that I really could pick an absolute favorite character. Um you know, just like every single one of them has that perfect role to play within the story arc. But yeah. Sam definitely, he's hes the pure and true heart out of all of it. Ben? It's so difficult because I have three that are a toss-up. You get one. You I know, one. I know. I know. You know what? I'll be a little different than what's been said before, and I'm going to say Legolas. Just because I, I loved the whole aspect of the archery and and just there was so much about his character that I still adore to this day. The fact that his hair, uh, his hair had equal shine and bounce. Yes, it's true. Exactly. <laughs> he had he had access to the best conditioner in Middle It's Earth. wishful thinking in my case. I mean, it's you know. But Can no, I get like, you a Legolas wig for your next birthday? Oh my god, that's please. A great idea. As long as you get me the pointy ears that go with it, I'll yes. be happy. That's why the character resonates. It's like, it's everything I want to be. <laughs> exactly. I want you to be good to with the bow. You have to shave the beard, though, to no. do a true Legolas. I'm yeah. just saying. I'm always willing to I'm shave it if it's for a purpose. So. Jess. If you had asked 12-year-old me, it would have been Legolas, for whatever reason. That Hot blonde elf. wig. Hot elf. Did it for me. Um that is not my reasoning, by the no, way. No, that's fine. <laughs> I would have to say Eowyn, uh, because we love a lady in armor. And I just Again. absolutely love her determination. She was my number two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've got to agree on Sam. Um, <laughs> it's really hard not to agree to that. Like, he's such the heart that drives that whole train forward consistently. Like, you know, we all make those, like, make the same, like, declarations when those certain scenes happen. It's like... I may not be able to carry the ring, but I can carry you. Oh, 
one like all those ones like and we all joke about that line sometimes and some of the way that certain lines are like brought up in that film but like they kind of just became because they were like these great rallying cries and these great moments because yeah. there was so much emotion just built around them but like he was just this perfect through thick and thin he was the only one that could see kind of the light and darkness all the time like yeah you know like you know, Frodo had the ring basically gnawing through his brain, essentially, through most of it. So he couldn't see what was happening with Gollum right in front of him. But Sam was able to see through it. Mm-hmm. Every other character has those moments of, like, failure. When Sam, while well, he does, he quickly only has one moment of real true doubt. And he's just like, when Frodo tells him, leave. And he's like, fine. But the moment that he snaps out of it, he's like, I was fucking right. And then he's just like, nope, I'm going back in there. And knowing that he's it's he's doing it himself and he knows what may be in that path between him and Frodo at that point, yeah. maybe more than he can handle, but he still does it anyway. I, I, I kind of want to argue another point, though, not of Sam, but of another character that kind of I feel like kind of has a similar journey. And that's Aragorn, because Aragorn was always the reluctant king. It was a position he didn't want. So to the point where by the end in Return of the King, when he shows up leading the army of the dead. Like, that's such a huge different arc for me that I feel like... Because where was the negative aspect of his, as you said, with some of the other... It's where his story begins. He gave it all up. He he didn't believe he was worthy of any of it, so he left it behind. So we meet him at his worst. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Sam was just Sam. Mm-hmm. He was the gardener. He was, he was okay. such a simple character. And I think... One of the big differences between him and Aragorn, Aragorn has seen the world. He has experienced a lot of darkness. And I mean, like, while he still fights, he's definitely, like, Sam genuinely believes. And it's the seeing the world and the darkness he's experienced, like you you said, that made him give it up in the the first place. Mm -hmm. Whereas Sam just persistently believes there can be good. It's like the Mr. Rogers of like yeah, no. kind of. He needs a cardigan. Yeah. He, needs a cardigan. Yeah. he gets he one is. though. I mean, they wear little vests and stuff. Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Um, <laughs> along with Aragorn, he's also carrying a lot that of that that guilt of his forefathers mm-hmm. because True. you know he he's the like what is it like the great grandson of Isildur. Isildur. Yeah. So you know. Yeah. They were the ones that took the ring in the first place. They were the ones that, you know, created all this evil and brought it back and brought it to the forefront until it was lost. And he's still carrying that guilt. So that's probably that's part of why he doesn't want to be king. That's part of why he's kind of lost all that. um, What's uh, that sort of like righteousness? Of okay. wanting to lead mm-hmm. and wanting to, you know, be the forefront. And that's why he doesn't return to Gondor to claim his throne earlier. They know he's out there. I, they makes, make they make reference to that. The steward of Gondor makes reference that he's like, we're not going to bow to that dirty ranger. He's not our king. Well, me bringing that up was basically just a cheap way for me to mention one of the other two characters. I had. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Cheater. <laughs> but I was being I was being genuine when I said like I kind of saw the similarity in Aragorn's yeah. story as well. But you guys kind oh, of oh no, he definitely has a lot of purity in his heart, and yeah. he you know I think once he gets over that whole like guilt ridden complex. And realizes that like he is he he needs to take back the throne because it, it's not taking back the throne it's leading the people and doing what's right yeah it's not like you know you look at like the taking of the thrones in the Game of Thrones series it's completely the opposite mm-hmm. right they want to conquer he wants to lead yeah 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 I mean the big difference too Lord of the Rings there's a lot of pure souls Game of Thrones everybody's it's, kind of a dick yeah yep so yeah. everyone's always everybody's a dick. crooked yeah mm-hmm. yeah I mean and ultimately too I mean like if you feel that there's a 
major connection in the way that you relate to Aragorn's story, there is no right or wrong answers to it. Mm. So if you yeah. see something that we don't and you're like, no, I still see this side and it does not, you know, change your opinion of that, though. So just if you definitely write, no, I see that parallel in it and not the same way we do. It's because it's still ultimately all opinion based. So. Gotcha. Um, so. A character we all dislike. And I think Samwise. <gasps> I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm I'm kidding. Get out. Get out. <laughs> Remember how I said it was opinion based? Get out. <laughs> you went very quickly from oh that's your opinion to no. No. <laughs> I'm no only kidding. I, I, I love Samwise just as much as you guys do. I think that's only your one opinion. character that I really hate in the entire series. I mean besides the spider. Besides she love because she's fair. the worst. That's fair. Um, Let's start with a D. No, although oh god, he is the worst. I was gonna say worm tongue. Oh yeah. Just yeah. because he's just this conniving little bastard that you just want to punch in the face from the first moment. Denethor. You... Yep. Denethor yeah. is also the worst. Yes, Denethor I might have to be Denethor. Head. Yeah. I hated Denethor so much. That's that's the father steward of Gundor. Yeah. Yep. Gundor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh no. Definitely. The way he treated Faramir was oh, it's awful. Poor Faramir. He is the Every only time. example of toxic masculinity in the entire Denethor series. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. He gets yeah. his come up. Yes, he does. Yes, he he does. also bears a striking resemblance to Ozzy Osbourne in this film. <laughs> I just can't help but not. I can't unsee it. I can't unsee it. I noticed it like. This was years ago, and uh, we may have been mobilizing the Shire while watching those movies and uh, watching them. And I was just like, oh, my God, he's totally lo- – he, he looks like Ozzy Osbourne. I'm, like, expecting him to start yelling, Shire. Oh, my Shire, God, you're right. <laughs> and it's it's funny because it's, uh, it's it's John Noble, right? It, it plays Denethor? Yes. Yes. Yeah. So it, it cracks me up, though, too. And uh, if anybody that's listening is fans of Legends of Tomorrow, I always laugh in my brain when he, this character comes up because it's season, last season, last season, I believe. I, no, I think it was two seasons ago. John Noble. Two seasons. Yeah, two, seasons. two seasons. So is when they're dealing with, um, uh, what's his name? The giant demon. Um, crap. I know. I know. Not Mollus. Mollus. Yep. So Mollus is voiced by John Noble. Mm-hmm. So they actually have a moment with Mick Rory is on the Wave Rider watching Lord of the Rings. That's right. That's and right. they keep hearing John Noble's voice as Denethor, and they're like, "That sounds a lot like Mollus." <laughs> and they're like, "And they're like, we need to convince Nora and Damien not to follow." Mollus into this situation because it will destroy time. Well, it's funny because... And they go back to the filming set yes, of, of Lord, Lord of, of the, the Rings <laughs> in the show and talk to give John Noble a new script and they're like, sorry, last minute rewrites on a scene. And yep. they get him to record something about Mollus, the time demon. Yep. And they're like that. And then you see John Noble make a statement. He's like, Peter Jackson's taking this in a really weird way. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just so beautiful and oh, I can't not amazing. think of that anymore. Mm-hmm. That just well, that just goes into the brilliant writing of, of Legends of Tomorrow as it's well. So oh yeah, good. yeah. Now, um, so how about you? What's your least favorite character, Ben? Uh, it's difficult. I mean, I'd I'd have to share Wormtongue just because I really can't think of any He's other. He's the one. worst. Really I, Maybe besides Denethor. And I can't really think of any the other ones. I mean, you can go the obvious with Saruman and, and But such, even Saruman, but you can understand his motivations. Yeah, they, they kind you know? of have motivations and redeeming qualities. Wormtongue is the only one I can think of that really doesn't have anything. Nope. Like, he has nothing going for him. He's just a pure Middle-earth douche. Yep. 
I mean, Denethor is a pretty big douche canoe as well. Best insults I've ever heard. Um, See, just coming from a parenting standpoint, like Denethor is just, he's the worst to me because Uh he's just all about the power Mm -hmm. and he can't let go the fact that he idolized his older son so much. And, you know, he treats his younger son like absolute garbage. And his his younger son is the one who's actually trying to do the right thing for Gundor and the right thing for Middle Earth in general. And he's just such an asshole and then tries to murder his own kid. So for me, coming from like that kind of standpoint, like even watching this with my kids, that was really hard to watch. Oh my God. And then like, even my kids are like, wow, he's really awful. He's like the, he is the absolute worst. Like, and then like, you know, he lights himself on fire and flings himself (laughs) off the balcony. And then they're like, well, good. Because like, like, he was the worst dad ever. And I'm like, well, yeah, yeah. Sort of the point of his character. But everything that he did was motivated out of power. And that's greed. Yeah, yeah, power and greed. And he wanted to keep the throne of Gondor for him and his family as opposed to having the rightful ruler in place who would do the right there, thing. I mean, there are even characters when you first meet them that turn that you think are kind of dicks. I mean, you take a character, I think it, Bormir was Sean Beam's yeah. character. Uh-huh. And then he has such a redemption by the end that he like does. you can't hate his character. But you also get so much context for it yeah, in, exactly. in the extended it edition. Uh, well, yes. in the extended edition of Two Towers because that's where you find out why Denethor is directing him to meet in, you know, Rivendell and all yeah. this stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it, it changes the context of what you saw from him in the beginning yes. of this person that's just kind of like, well, I guess I'll go. and just- uh-huh. That's why it's so important when Baromir, like, pledges allegiance to Aragorn. Yeah. Yes. You know, because Denethor would never have wanted him to do that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, Definitely. Denethor, the whole I reason he even wanted him to go to the, uh, the Rivendell Fellowship was to basically claim the ring and bring it back to Gondor. So... Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, no, oh, so worst. so many good, and I good, think that's probably moments. also so a whole reason. Oh, I'm why officially he was starting like, the extended edition. Yes, tomorrow. do it exactly. It's been too many years since I've I watched might them. need a reread. Yeah, I I feel like we just watched it a couple weeks ago, Mike. No, I do more. <laughs> I just finished them two days. ago. All right, like, so, so good. <laughs> I, I have to add this in here. It's not in the outline, but I know it's something that Cat brought up, and I'm Yay. like, I completely forgot to add this. Is is if you could be any race from Middle Earth that we do see, what would it be? And that can include in The Hobbit and things like that. Cat, definitely. Go ahead. I would be a Nazgul. I <laughs> because of the shrieking? Shrieking? Yes. <laughs> They're my people. We just fly around and shriek. Actually, and that's the funny thing is we've a- they've actually done in, in family gatherings of the McIntyres. They did a Nazgul screech. <laughs> see if I can get a good one. <laughs> oh, so. <laughs> Actually, surprisingly, I didn't blow out the mic. I was just looking at you. Yep. Yeah. I backed up far yeah, enough. you did. <laughs> so, uh, you say I'm the slowest person in the universe, so I'm an ent. <laughs> so, That's very true. We are still saying good morning. <laughs> and the next topic will be brought up when I'm good and ready. <laughs> That just makes me think of the sloth from Zootopia. Pretty much. Yep. <laughs> At the DMV. Jess. I would want to be an elf very much, but I am so food made ava- motivated <laughs> that I would certainly be a hobbit. <laughs> Not wearing shoes, living in the Shire. That's the life, man. Every day is pajama day. So great. Eleven seas, afternoon tea. I'm so there. You're Rosie. Breakfast, second. You're Rosie. Exactly. 
Jada. You said it when you introduced me. All shall love me and despair. I am and definitely despair. an elf. <laughs> I am definitely an elf. I'm like, I saw Rivendell for the first time on screen and I was like, I'm living there. God, it's so gorgeous. Oh, it's stunning. Yeah. Ben. I would be a wizard. Duh. I do. <laughs> Just being able to like travel the entire world and interact with all the other races and the magical powers have the, nothing to do with oh, it. I'm sure keeper of the scrolls. Not to mention the fact that you you know you take on like a creature like a Barog, and if you die, you still come back as a different version of yourself. And you get to be you you get to be the new Radagast, Ben Beck the Brown. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> so, also, yeah, I mean, you are would... keeper of the scrolls, like for real. So, I'm. Oh yeah, there you go. Yeah, um, you're so, keeper of the scrolls. So yeah, it's 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 a wizard. I would be a wizard. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> All right. So, is there anything about the books that irritates? Wait, no, you did not answer this question. Yes, you did. I said tree. Ant. Oh, I'd you are an ant. That's right. So, okay. it's not my choice, but I know I don't get a choice. <laughs> no, no, <it's, laughs> that is true. So, it's fine. <laughs> I accept this fate. We don't have any dwarven friends. I just accept this fate. <laughs> So. We don't have any dwarves. We don't have any dwarven friends. No, not at this Tommy. table. Our friend Tommy is that very much, very much a dwarf. Yes. I could see that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, 100%. there was there was a Halloween where him and his wife stood out on our front. Oh my god, that was the gnomes, best. I remember. And that. they stood out there for twenty five minutes before they even came inside. We didn't. Well, know everybody they were was here. walking in. I thought they were, they were actual gnomes. Oh, they, they were. God. I remember they were, that party. It was they the best. Were holding lanterns. That's fantastic. And I'm like, I love these two. They are definitely dwarves. The most adorable. I'm trying to think of any of our other friends who'd be. Dwarves. I'll come up with a few, I'm sure. Well, yeah. nobody, but I know there are definitely I, a few hobby humans either. Boring. Yeah, yeah. Boring. yeah that's what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> For Bo- humans in real boring, life, Ben. Boring yeah, and kind of selfish, in yeah. the, at least in that world. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, humans are. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, so, all right. So, is there anything that irritates anybody about the series between the books, the films, <laughs> plot holes that just kind of great at them and I had to write one of the ones I had down because I have to get it out of the way the very end of of the moments in, in, in Lord of the Rings in the Return of the King as Sam and Frodo clutch rocks as Mount Doom explodes into a fiery inferno and who comes to save the day but the eagles go it's cool we guys got you and I'm like where were these guys yeah, exactly. in the beginning this whole thing not six months two week ordeal max max go ahead Gat. It wouldn't have been possible with the Eagles because Rob's like, I hate you. Um, (laughs) No, it wouldn't have because the whole point was a stealth operation. And while Sauron's eye was watching, he can see anything in the the Eagles. The Nazgul's would have murdered the Eagles in like five seconds. I don't know. They gave them some good fight. They They gave some good fight in Ministerium. But the amount of Nazgul's compared to like two Eagles, it wouldn't be enough. Whereas like... The eagles swooped in when it was safe to do so because they had already accomplished their goal. They could have been on the way, but... Minor shift in plans. Hey, guys, let's all go knock on the Black Gate with a large force before we're all mostly obliterated. Then the eagles go in. <laughs> so Right, but the point of the first couple of movies or in books was true. that they didn't have that force that's because true. the elves weren't talking to the humans. They didn't weren't have much of a force, though, by the end of that, Nobody though, too. Nobody was united. Everyone was fighting was amongst true. each it's other. It's about the no journey. No one could get along. There you go, that one. That I mean, too. I hate to quote, quote Miley Cyrus, but it's about the climb. <laughs> yeah. 
Like honestly, right. it you could not can, have had that ending. Can I leave on my own now? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we can just end your podcast. <laughs> the fact that Miley Cyrus got brought up in a Lord of the Rings conversation. Listen, can I leave? it's fair. Listen, it's, it's fair. fair. It's about the journey. It's true. It's a true. Hobbit's journey there and back again. You could have said the journey instead of the climb. I you did, in fact, say the journey first, Benefer. Pay attention. <laughs> I'll, I'll see everybody tomorrow. <laughs> but no, I, I, I have to bring it up though because it's one of those things that everybody always looks at, and it's just kind of like. But it's in your not brain. You're me. like, I get why. Well, well because you're a writer, a perfect, and other yeah. other people who are not writers would look at that and say, "Oh man, they could have the Eagles just could have like totally swept in." I mean, to be fair, it is a little Deus Ex Machina, but they did swoop in at exactly the right time. They did. They did. Get and don't get me them. wrong, I love the journey a ton. I, I love the climb as well. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> A little bit of sass. Checking out. Good night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But no, I think it's just that moment that when when this comes in again, it's that perfect opportune moment and such. So I think this was in, it was one of the rewatches we did. And I would have to watch this scene again and scrutinize it more clearly. And this is the tiniest weird thing. And it's not really an irritant, but it was a very odd, like in the movies, in the first one in Fellowship, like when they're like, I think I forget. It's like the group is in the boat and it's later on in the movie. Um, and it's not very clear. On the way out of Lorien? That boat? It's the one near the very end where they're like heading off. But oh, oh, you oh, see okay. Gollum like swimming at boat speed. He's like <laughs> running through the water and you're like, how is he keeping up? He's so fucking fast. He's just going with current. That's all. Well, they did say he was given unnatural life and abilities by the ring for That's hundreds of be years. Long, actually, and he kind of like he dwelled in caves was, and water, well, like bodies that, of water. But he was actually True. one of the river folk. Yeah. So, so that makes sense. Uh, Okay, cool. That was just, it was. So it we're was all poking holes really in each any, other's yeah. issues. So, no, that's and that's great. good. It was a really, like, it was more of a funny thing where I'm like, why is he? He's so quick. Okay, like, here's mine. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the end of Two Towers, where you mm-hmm. have Mary and Pepin discover the kitchens. There's a chicken or some sort of like bird fowl <laughs> that's just like, flo- it's a roasted chicken and it's just floating and floating and yes. floating. And I'm like, they. They eat that. They're going to get so many diseases because it's floating in like rancid water. That's one of them. There is another scene that irritates the bejesus out of me. And it is the scene where um, Mary and Pippin are kidnapped by the orcs. And they're, you know, they're being hoisted along and like they're, you know, and it's the scene where they're talking about they don't need their legs. Mm -hmm. And well, we can just eat their legs. Okay. Well, they're talking about that. And then, you know, they're fighting back and forth. And then the one orc gets beheaded and they say meat's back on the menu, boys. How the fuck do orcs know what a menu is? That's fair. This this sort of That's like valid, encompasses the yep, fact yep, that yep. any of these orcs have been to some sort of TGI Chapel Two Tickets House Garden restaurants. Yep. Orc restaurants. Obviously. Orc restaurants. Orc, orc restaurants. What where are they going orc out delicacies. for like steaks? <laughs> no, they've never seen a restaurant. They're lucky if they get mo- maggoty bread and grog. So uh-huh. how do they know what a menu is? That's my. That's the thing that irritates me. That is a me. legit one. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> Jess, I'm um, gonna go a slightly different route. Um, besides the fact that we haven't talked about the Hobbit movies that much, uh, they okay. did not need to be three of them. No, no. there did not. Uh, there there could have been two of them. There could have been two of them, I guess. Maybe. It Maybe. really. They could have just extended the first a little out to finish the story, and it yeah, would have been fine. That always bothered. I don't think I've actually seen all of them. Oh. I, 
I did. Yeah, I, I saw the first one. It. And I mean, let's be real. Uh, Lee Pace's Thranduil is, is a beautiful diva elf, and I love him. <laughs> but I don't think they needed to be three movies. No. Also, they really didn't. Um, one of the things I'm going to mention is something that they did not include in the films. And I know... I understand the movies were very long as is. They could mm-hmm. only add so many things in, but they they cut out this entire part in Return of the King um, that is referred to as the scourging of the Shire. Uh-huh. Right? Yeah, Where Saruman yeah. comes in with his forces and basically fucks up the entire Shire, which, like we were talking about earlier, leads into your point about isolationism not really working. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? So Saruman comes in and basically raises the Shire to the ground and that's what Sam and Frodo kind of come back to. That was rough. And that is never mentioned anywhere in the movies. And I know why they did it for storytelling purposes and fitting everything in. The Holly- A little bit of the Hollywood ending being Hollywood there too. Nice yeah, ending. them walking back into the Shire exactly as With they Rosie and her open arms, yep, you know, exactly. kind of thing. But yeah. it, it was a very important plot point that that they kind of just missed. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. And I'm bouncing off of the uh, things that they omitted, but uh, the one thing, and I know a lot of people, like from the books, um, the Fellowship, Tom Bombadil. Ooh. Like, oh, yeah. He was really fascinating. Yeah. And I he, was keeper, he was the keeper of the Ents, right? Mm. He was like the keeper of the end forest? He was... No, he was no. in the fellowship right before they get set upon by the trolls. He's basically yes. like yeah. the forest god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was just this like weird, whimsical creature that was just so fascinating yeah. that it would have been really cool. But I also understand why they cut it. Yeah. I mean, I I, I know that was a that was an avenue. A lot of I know a lot of fans of the first book were really disappointed was not included. That was the big thing I remember hearing. Like it was kind of alluded to. I think yeah, in yeah, one yeah. of the extended yes. scenes, but that right. was the extent but it was, of it. It was kind of on the minimal. Yeah. Um. Good. Any sequences you had any issues with? Oh, I'm not here. I left like five minutes ago. <laughs> um, no, I mean, the only really complaint I had, and it's not even really a complaint, it was more just like a minor annoyance, was basically the end of Return of the King, the very end, like the 15 endings Which end? that we got. Which That's what I mean. <laughs> it, you know, it was one of those things that I All just remember. All of them are necessary and valid. I just remember being in the theater and wanting, it's, <laughs> it's very rare that I ever go to see a movie in theaters that I want to applaud for afterwards. And I remember seeing it opening night and just getting ready to like, okay, no, no, it's not yet. Or I can apply. No, crap, it's not yet. Like, and it's just every Wait, time. The, the opportune mind, uh, like, moment for the slow clap, and you're like, oh, man, I was off again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, every time it fades to black, you think the movie's over and the credits are going to hit, and then it just comes right up, and we're in another location getting another ending. Mm-hmm. I'm laughing because watching that movie with my kids this past weekend, <laughs> you know, they have seen a lot of movies, a lot of epic trilogies and things like that. We took them to go see Star Wars on Christmas Day mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. for um, The Rise of Skywalker, and... We've, they've seen Endgame. They've seen all like the big denouement endings of all these franchises that they kind of grew up with. So me showing them this and, you know, they're expecting at the end of the huge battle and then they're like, yeah, oh wait, we still have an hour? I'm like, yup. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. It, Buckle it, in, kids. It, 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 We're not done yet. It, it almost played out to me like you could have, you could have done it, you could have given it the clue treatment. You know, like, and, <laughs> but, but this <laughs> is what really happened. You know, you put that in between each, Sorry, Google picked up. I didn't do it. Google did it on its own. Right, Um, right. uh, But, you know, it was, you could have given it the clue treatment, like maybe it happened like this, and then you go to the next ending. I would not be surprised if somebody has not done that cut somewhere on YouTube. (laughs) So, um, so, okay, so we're an hour and 45 minutes in. 
We have three large points still I wanted to cover, <laughs> which I think I'm going to have to trim <laughs> at least one of them. So we'll do one of the quick ones real quick, and then we'll go from there. So because food was brought up, and I figure in, in a lot of our discussions, we, we talk about the delicious Hobbit food and floating chickens and stuff like that, that I feel like it's important for us to make sure we don't lose what our perfect individual Hobbit meal would be. And obviously that means we're talking about breakfast, second breakfast, 11Zs, luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, and supper. So I figure it's going to be very different for everybody, but I'm going to make mine very easy. Bacon at every one of them. (laughs) Afternoon tea just also has tea. And that's it. Done and done. Uh, I would modify this a little bit, and because I am also a fan of breakfast foods, mine would be breakfast, second breakfast, and third breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Kat? Uh, Mine would probably be, I'm trying to think how to break this down. Breakfast, I would probably want to start, like, small, so I would maybe do, like, a scone or something. And then second breakfast, I would probably switch into eggs and bacon. Then 11 C's would be, like, a nice time for... You know, a small cookie type thing or wafer or something, whatever. And then like with some beverage, then luncheon would be sandwiches. Then afternoon tea. <laughs> You're like, why are you detailing? No, it's okay. I actually am gonna give my real answer at the end. So <laughs> And then afternoon tea would be finger maybe, sandwiches. Yeah, I didn't realize maybe we were giving actual menus. Yeah. Oh, maybe, okay. maybe tea sandwiches things. and lots of tea. And then dinner I feel like there would be not diseased chicken, you know. <laughs> Roasted Some, chickens are good. Yeah, they're solid. And then supper would absolutely be potato soup and bread. Okay, fair enough. Who wants to go next? Or does somebody ahead, need Jess. a moment? I can go. Jess, go for it. Breakfast. Lembus. <laughs> Second breakfast. No, I'm totally kidding. Um, <laughs> So I would start off with a big breakfast, full English for first breakfast. Ooh. All right, you're just going full English. Lots of sausage, bacon, eggs. Second breakfast, maybe a light scone. Maybe we're talking oh, that for so second breakfast, yeah, right? Eleven yeah, yeah. um, C's. Uh, maybe, maybe some toast. I don't know. <laughs> some cheese, like a charcuterie board for eleven C's. That's a good plan. Um, luncheon sandwich, nice, nice big sandwich. Maybe also bacon. Afternoon tea. I want tea and finger sandwiches. I want like high tea. That's fine. Uh, dinner, supper, a roast. Yep, and then soup. I agree with that. Soup you go like end. big roast dinner and then soup. Mm-hmm. Jada. Okay, so first breakfast would have to be some sort of pastry esque thing. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Damn, I forgot about. There would pastries. have to be coffee. <laughs> coffee would have to be part of my first breakfast. That would Ooh, probably be like yeah. coffee and like either a pastry type thing or like toast with butter. I think of like mm. good hobbity bread with <sighs> butter on it. That would be like that would be breakfast. Second breakfast. That's 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 my food. Y'all have eaten with me after cons. You know how I am about my breakfast food. There would be savory and sweet. So there have to be like eggs, scrambled eggs and bacon. But then there would also have to be some sort of like French toast, probably out of the scraps of that bread that we'd had for our first breakfast. And like <laughs> fruit and cream and stuff on top of that French toast. Um, and either nice hot coffee or tea. Um, then we go into 11Zs, which would probably be like a light protein-esque type meal thing for me. So we're talking like... Like, probably, again, like, finger things like cheese and sausages or cheese and, like, little bits of meat. Um, So then we move on to luncheon, which I'm thinking that would have to be – I think for luncheon, I would think I would want, like, roast veggies. Um, And then also probably, like, 
Uh, I was like, roast veggies and probably like chicken, like chicken legs, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and then afternoon tea would be something snacky. In my eyes, it's something sweet. So I would want tea and like little like those uh, thumbprint cookies that have the oh, jam cute. in the like middle. Like jammy dodgers. Yeah. Jammy yes. Dodgers. Jammy dodgers and tea would be my afternoon tea. Um, supper, go big or go home. That one is your roast meat and potatoes. So I'm talking like <laughs> roast beef or roast chicken potatoes medley of potatoes i'm thinking like all the pretty potatoes and they'd be like covered in like butter and thyme and rosemary and delicious herbs and things and then supper would be something that's like kind of the late in the day meal we're talking like nine ten o'clock at night so that's like snacky foods that would be my charcuterie all right so we're going to your house for dinner yes. is what i'm hearing excellent i, um, I will Yum. cook all of this great you. please Yay. we have friends who do this i have no problem we'll do this <laughs> okay. like this should happen. i'm gonna actually gonna get mine and then i'll go to you okay. to close this out so actual breakfast you go big still on that you do buttermilk biscuits with uh, sausage gravy over it with a side of scrapple oh, oh my and god then probably yes. just like a slice of like honeydew melon or like cantaloupe off to the side to kind of balance out that a bit second breakfast that's when you get a good strong cup of like coffee and then you have like pano chocolate or like you know Ooh, something nice. along those like lines that. a good like french Ooh, crepes yeah, like you can do something like, fr- like crepes or something Creepy like that would be good. Like I want, like I think I want French like patisserie, mm-hmm. like kind of be like yes. and like Danishes and stuff like that, like that. But I would definitely go probably croissant. like yeah, croissant, yeah, pano chocolat, and mm. that would be perfect. Elevensies, that's where I would probably do like a Reuben, like a New York style Reuben Ooh. sandwich. Oh yeah, or like a Monte Cristo, which is Ooh. that perfect brunchy kind of food. You get the savory and the sweet all exactly. in one. Exactly, delish. So. Uh, luncheon, that's when you kind of, you know, maybe take it back a little bit and then you say like, maybe like a burger or something like that would be really perfect after the sweetness. You <laughs> I get love how a burger the, is taking it, it back is. a it's bit. Simple. Yeah. Simple. Totally. Simple. Listen. It's simple. I'm an easy person. I thought person. you were going to say like simple. a salad. No, no burgers. burgers. Burger. I'm here for it. More meat. Okay. Uh, but you of course make sure bacon, like a sharp cheddar on that, something along those lines. <laughs> Lettuce, tomato, onion. Good to go. Um, you know, afternoon tea. Um, you know, just a, a good handle of like iced tea. Uh, box of Cheez-Its. Good. <laughs> um, oh my God. I don't know they had many Cheez-Its in Middle Earth, but good. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I feel like that's something oh, hobbits would invent. Oh, um, yeah. It actually is. I, I don't mean to interrupt, oh, but yeah. like my kids, I have been saying this since my since my daughter, who's almost 12, was like a baby Children eat like hobbits. She did not know that second breakfast didn't exist. Like she thought everybody in everybody's house had second at breakfast because she knew when she woke up, she would get cereal. And then like two hours later, she'd want like yogurt or like something like that. So it'd be like, oh, that's breakfast. And this one's second breakfast. She didn't know that that wasn't a thing that everybody did. That's adorable. My children eat like (laughs) hobbits all the time. So we've always, always said this. But at dinner, you go with a nice five alarm chili and a Mm. good uh, corn muffin to go with it. And beer. Yeah, a yeah. good a good ale with yeah, that to, totally. to go with it. And then you end the night on a, a light note, which would probably be like oh meatloaf, mashed potatoes, <laughs> corn, <laughs> carrots, stuff like that. You're good. Oh, so. I'm 500 pounds just from listening to all right? this. Let's keep going. It's oh. like food porn. Yeah. Um, okay, so if I have to do an actual menu, breakfast would be something simple and light just to kind of get me in the mood to eat again. Uh, so I would go probably like a chocolate eclair. With a cup of coffee, nice strong mm-hmm. cup of coffee. Yummy. Uh, second breakfast, I'd go similar to the sausage and biscuits. Uh, I'd step. I would do cream chip beef over English muffins Ooh. with uh, with some nice crispy bacon. Uh, <laughs> Elevensies, I would probably go. 
that would be probably something more snacky. I would actually probably go vegetable route and maybe um, get some carrots. Well, fruit and uh, cheese would be a yeah, good one for exactly. Lindsay's too. Fruit and cheese. Apple slices or carrots. Cheez-Its are great. Yep. Yeah. Cheese yeah. <laughs> carrots. Yeah. I'd probably go some. I'd probably go carrots or apple slices. Uh, luncheon, I would also go the sandwich route, but I would also what I've actually made for lunch for the past two days. Uh, I would go a nice grilled ham and cheese sandwich on Italian Yum. bread, which Yummy. is what I've made. Uh, afternoon tea would be a nice little blended drink, so I would probably do uh, bananas and strawberries with vanilla ice cream. Uh, dinner, pork asabuco with brown gravy over top with mashed potatoes and roasted vegetables. And then supper would be something completely like bar foodish, maybe like pizza or poutine. Mm. Uh, and that would be how it closed out the night because mm, you can't go wrong closing out the night with all of us are making very good healthy choices yes. Yes. so good more hobbits what do we care I think the real important thing to take away from this is that Cheez-Its are the staple of Hobbiton <laughs> it is it is the the new Lambus bread I right, is, right. Um, I now want to photoshop all of the hobbits carrying around like oh my god but the Cheez-Its have to look bigger because they're hobbits I mean, I mean, they make no, they do make big Cheez Its. Oh my god, get the No, but they'd have to be the same size as Lambus bread. We need Lambus Cheez Its. Yes, please. I honestly think I'm going to pose this to you right now. When we start our new podcast, we need to do a Hobbit challenge. Okay. Where we we eat all, we eat that many meals in one day. We just recently did that with friends. Oh, did you really? Yes. Okay. Mm Um, yeah, I'll, no. I'll cook for this. I, I want to oh, be yeah. a part of this okay. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually have a. I, I, I will pose this after we're done, but because we still have more, do we have to get through? I like how you said this would be the, the shorter d- of the three topics. Um, it is. Okay. It's the journey, um, Rob. So journey. It is the journey, <laughs> and, it's about and the we're journey. all going to be on the climb. But it's like a stair climber after <laughs> said, said, said meals. Hey, hey, so. hey! We're here for body positivity in Middle Earth too. It's good. That's very true. Um, all right. So I wanted to look at this and figure out what's the better of the two. And I kind of want to do the second one and we'll leave the other one for if we ever come back to this topic. Uh, but if we could bring another fantasy creature from another universe into the realm of Middle Earth, what would that creature be and how would it have a how would it have an impact on Middle Earth, the ecosystem, and how would it change it? So, you mean like a race of people or just another creature? Another type of creature that maybe there are many of or something. Think of like, you know, we have the Balrog. What would happen if you brought stormtroopers from Star Wars into <laughs> Middle-earth? They wouldn't be able to hit it. Right. <laughs> but like, or Fox uh, Fox the Phoenix from Harry Potter in and things like that. How does that change change the landscape? <sighs> wow. this is And does it change the overall story? Because that's another big question. I, I Oh, God. I don't know. I actually have to put some thought into this. Yeah, I, I don't really... know if I have an immediate answer. Ah. I don't either, so that doesn't help. Um, <laughs> Great. That that makes us kind of Oh, go... I've got one. Okay, go ahead. Thestrals. Oh, good one. Best one. I'm trying to remember what they are. Thestrals are the like uh, skeleton-esque horses that you can only oh, yes, see. Yes, 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 yes. You so can good. only see if you've witnessed death. Yep. And they pull the carriages to Harry Potter. Um, in my head, I want to say that they're definitely used on the side of Mordor. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Probably. Um, Oh god, that'd be terrifying because the Nazgûls right? would probably ride those. That's yeah, that was actually just yeah, thinking, yeah, yeah they could be ridden by so, so cool. many like nasty things, um, and you wouldn't necessarily see them coming unless you've seen the face of death. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, that would be fucking terrifying. I'm not, I'm not going to even lie. That's such a good, like... That's and they were like also a, carnivorous, too. Excellent answer. Yeah. Um, I would say sandworms can... from Beetlejuice. Ooh. Or uh, Dune. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or, or, yeah. Or, or, or the ones from Dune. They would decimate yeah. the landscape. <laughs> it's kind of like, welcome to the dead marshes. Apparently, everything's fucked. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> But I mean, yeah, it would just be so interesting of like any, you know, like kind of like wilderness areas. I mean, I'm kind of surprised that there are not unicorns mentioned. I know they're not in yeah. the movies. True. I mean, they talk about Shadowfax and he is he is the Lord of Horses. Right. And it was funny because at one point um, when Gandalf is riding him, his staff kind of like is coming off from the head of Shadowfax. And Lily was like, I was, as I said, I've been watching this with my kids. Um, and Lily was like, oh, is Gandalf, or is he riding a unicorn? I was like, no, that's Shadowfax. Shadowfax is not a unicorn, but I'm kind of shocked that they're not really a part of Middle Earth. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one I would have said too. Yeah, but I mean like. <laughs> well, you can, you can elaborate more on that because I already did one. Yeah, so. So, but oh, I was going to yeah. say, I said sandworms <clears throat> from Beetlejuice would oh. be amazing because I said, you know, can you imagine like instead of getting all like, you know, Gimli, Legolas and Aragorn getting off the boats with the army of the dead, just mm. all of them riding sandworms into the fight of <laughs> Minas Tirith oh, yeah. just makes that sequence so much more terrifying yeah. for everybody involved. With unicorns, they really the only thing that would be really amazing with it, and it's actually because I did not realize C.S. Lewis was... Uh, his frenemy spiteful writing bro yeah um one of the things i loved in the narnia series was all the battle unicorns and that would be fucking badass it'd be really cool to see they'd be they'd be the antithesis of the thestrals which was my edition and we were saying that's what the nazis will ride instead oh that'd be real good Mm -hmm. if i had to say anything maybe shapeshifters Um, because then you have not only you have the added mystery of you, you now have the added mystery of like shapeshifters or like skin riders, like a What's changeling, the, like a changeling, somebody who could become somebody else. So more of like a skin rider or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Because okay. then you have the sorry, added mystery of who good. you're. Yeah, sorry. I mean, different kind then, of changeling. Because then somebody in your fellowship could possibly not be. Who you think oh, they are. it's oh. like, and that's why Boromir goes for the ring, and it's yeah. because oh, it's not Boromir. It's not Boromir. Yep. Oh, yeah, that would be that would be interesting. That, that could definitely I very like much that. change it. It would definitely change the story. Yeah. yeah. Jess, I don't know if I have an answer. Neville um, Longbottom. We already done and have. Oh, <laughs> so precious, sweet boy. Um, <laughs> we already have. We can't really add the Dementors because we've already basically got Nazgul. Uh, unicorns mentioned. Thestrals check. Owls. Ooh. Oh no, Aslan. That's what I was talking about. Oh, like sentient, yeah. sentient, um, sentient Jesus lions. Yes. <laughs> That's also the name of your new band. It is <laughs> sentient Jesus the lions. Sentient Jesus lions. I'm Come here for the talking gigs. animals. I'm all about that. Yeah, I think we need more talking animals. This is Aslan, I mean, the sun, and the Holy Spirit. Right. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> We've got talking trees. I wonder right? how much it would change your story Talking if you put animals. in little Sebastian. Oh, little As, Sebastian. But if he could talk on top of that, it would be so precious. Because right? Merry and Pippin would totally have a ride. Oh, yes. yes. He's basically Bill the he Pony. Will, just yeah. like at the Shire. It'd be like Bill the Pony's yeah. best yes. friend. Yes. Canon. New canon. Bill <laughs> the Pony it. and Lil Sebastian, Sebastian are best friends. <laughs> I love it. And they both get eaten Up outside of the swamps heaven. of Moria. Hey. Up in horsey heaven. <laughs> yeah, it will come pretty quickly too if they were both outside of Moria. Exactly. Um, <laughs> speak glue and enter. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> no! It was there. I could not, not do the thing. 
Uh, you know, I think we have enough time to do the last one, too, so might as well. So, uh, because it was brought up by uh, your husband, uh, Mike, so, and it was such a good one that I would really hate to skip over, is if you were the one to volunteer to take the ring to Mordor, how do you think your journey would differ from Frodo's? <laughs> and then I added to that, are there more or less casualties because of it? And how do you think your struggle with the ring would have played out versus what we saw. So, Ben. Uh, I can tell you right now, if I was the one being offered the one carrying the ring, uh, the fellowship would be doomed. Yeah. Because <laughs> I can be tempted by a Reese's peanut butter cup, <laughs> let alone a ring that can turn ring me invisible power. and give me power. So I would be, I would happily be one of the fellowship, but I would be the horrible person to choose to carry the ring. Okay. Jess, you were ready to rock Assuming too. that I make it out of Lothlorien, which is a big <laughs> if, huge if, I would probably get as far as uh, Galadriel because I would be like, you take it. Like, take it. I'm done. You're obviously oh, more equipped to handle this. Please. That would have been it. Yeah. Um, I would have it for like all of five seconds until I realized I wanted to become the Nazgul when I put it on and I was like, these guys are great. And then I did. That's true. Yep. You're joining the Nazgul and just riding off with them. She's like, I'm home. It's like, Minas Morgul, here I come. (laughs) Jada. I honestly, I'm not even sure how I could answer this because... I can be an extremely determined person, especially when everybody tells me, no, you can't do a thing. Um, I think the part that I would get a little tripped up on is like feeling like I wasn't the right person for the job because imposter syndrome, Um, Mm -hmm. which the whole time he's carrying it. He doesn't think he's the right person for the job. He takes it because he doesn't like nobody else. Everyone's fighting over it. So he just says he will. Um, I don't know. I feel like I would get pretty far into into Mordor, but like, like Frodo, I think I would be tempted at the very end. I would need a Sam. But I have a Sam because it's Mike. Mm-hmm. He would yeah. be my Sam. He Aww. would get me there. Yeah. Oh, adorable. Yeah, Even I, if I, I got my finger bitten off, he would still <laughs> he would still love me. So Yeah, I, I would say for <laughs> he me. He would make sure we got the true ring. True love. It, it, true. it, it yeah. all goes wrong with uh, keep it secret, keep it safe. And I'm like, what? Huh? <laughs> I was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't paying attention because I'd be sitting there on my phone and be like and like Gandalf just goes fucks off and I'm like, he said something important, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> It would get lost in my house. Yeah. So it would be safe. It would be fine. I don't know what he said. I wonder if this fits. And then, <laughs> and then the, the, the rest, rest of my story post there it. after the first Nazgul, because I actually have tonight is in real life. So after the high-pitched shrieking is everybody's talking to me. I'm like, what? And it's just constantly like that that archer, that mop, mop, and that's it for like six months straight. And everybody's like, would you just fucking go away? And I'm like, I'm sorry. I just wanted to cheese it. That's all it was. I'm sorry. I just love that you went the Archer reference. <laughs> so Jada has the most chance out of all of us. I think we're all agreed. Yeah. And the rest but of us really like not because of me. It's because of Mike. So Reese's cup. Yeah. Wanting to be in that. I just want to stay with the elves, man. I'm good. Like, we get this to the place elves. is pretty. And we I'm want like, you to stay this with is us cool. Too. Thank you. I mean, in all honesty, One mine really is. reasons Rob has tonight. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Actually, mine really, honestly, it doesn't even get to that point. I'm like, I have to put on pants. No, I'm good. I'm like, I'll stay here. It's fine. All right. So let's end our episode with the way we end every episode, which is our merry fuck kill. Uh, so the one I had to go with was Aragorn 
Legolas, and then Samwise. Because oh, everyone's going to feel like a monster if you kill Samwise. So, and I figured that's that's going to be interesting to see how this goes. So, Kat. Um, I would hands down marry Samwise. He is definitely marriage material. Like, he will stick with you through everything. He's amazing. And um, out of, I remember when I was a teeny, I was a teenager when this came out. So the big thing was Legolas or Aragorn. And I was always Aragorn. So Legolas has got to die. Yeah. <laughs> Who would like to go next? Ben. I can go next. Um, I agree. You have to marry Samwise because I feel like you would always be loved if you married Sam. Um, I'd fuck Legolas just because he's fucking Legolas. Uh, Aragorn, I would kill, but I feel like you would you would still have a chance to hang out with him because if he can raise the army of the dead, he can come back himself. Me, dead is dead, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the dead people are still damn dead. I mean, true. And then after they serve their oath, they go they, fuck he off. He releases that's, them that's, that's, from, peace out. from their that's servitude. That's true. Okay, he yeah. allows I, them rest. I stick with my. I stick with. Oh, my that's friend. the whole point of why he allows them, why yeah. they come back. Um, I, I kind of have married a Sam, so I, I definitely would marry Sam. He's, you know, he's just romantic and just so dedicated to you and your family and just like, he's just amazing. So you definitely marry Sam. As much as I want to be in a poly triad with Legolas and Aragorn, <laughs> got to go with Aragorn. I would definitely fuck Aragorn. Uh, Legolas, really, really, really hard to say goodbye to that, but um, I would have to, I, I'd have to kill Legolas. Sorry. Fair. Jess. Yeah, same. You marry Sam. It's just, you would be very happy. Um, many hobbit babies. So many. And all the food. <laughs> all the food. Uh, again, younger me would hate to say this, but you kill Legolas because really, eh. Here's the thing. And you want to be the pretty man. one. In the, you want to be the pretty one. You want to be the prettier one. I would not yeah, want yeah. him to be prettier than me. <laughs> and well, that's just a fact. He's prettier than all of us. Fact. <laughs> so true. Very, very he's prettier and than you, everyone. And you just yes. Mm -hmm, you fuck Aragorn because goddamn. Yes. <laughs> yep. Return so, of the king, yep. baby. Oh my god. <laughs> so we're gonna have a very similar to most people here. So yes, you marry Samwise, and you know again. <laughs> I think it's the best relationship you could expect, especially in that entire realm. But wouldn't it be really interesting, though, is like, you know, he like cooks dinner and he's like, I made potato soup and you go and have it. And you're like, this is really not what I anticipated. And it wasn't that great. <laughs> and that oh would be God. a really kind of sad, Aww. shocking moment. You're like, I was like, but you, you spoke so highly of it. And I'm like, oh. But no, I don't think that would be the case. I but think, you yes. could then learn with to his make love the of seasoning. No, you no, think that fine, that would happen? You're fine. No, you'd be, be no. you'd be in good shape. No. He'd be like, I used lava salts in this. I'm like, thank you. I you know, he came back from that journey, understanding all, how yes. to like find all the good mm -hmm. herbs and spices. He carried He's around a, a tiny box he of is. salt for Christ's yeah. sake. Like you know, he he understands the importance Brilliant, of good man. seasoning. I'll go to a Parks and Rex reference again. He could plant ficuses in my backyard. No. Um, <laughs> you definitely fuck Aragorn because I don't know yes. if it was just me, but anytime he was wet uh -huh. in that movie, yes, oh, that like, scene oh where he throws, oh, throws open the door. Oh my god, yes. And then I'm like, I was like, and even I was like, Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. and even when he got, got all pretty this. at the end, when he got all pretty at the end, and they're doing Get the coronation, smelling and his hair's yeah. all perfect. But yeah. the reason oh, you yeah. also have to kill Legolas in this is, again, he's a very pretty man. <laughs> 
Yeah. Ultimately, can you imagine the first day that he finds a wrinkle and what that moment would oh, be no. like in his <laughs> life and the existential so crisis that would befall so him? I think you want to stop that before that happens yeah. because I don't Circling think... it back to Parks and Rec, it's like with Chris Trager. It is. Oh, yes. He's like, so but my body like... is a microchip. And I'm like, <laughs> and he's like, whatever that is, you know. And one, also, one his body is a well-strung bow. Kill me. Yeah. The I, other it's... thing is that I really do feel like Aragorn and... and um, Oh, boy. Sam? No, Aragorn and Arwen are soulmates. Yes. You know, I can't stop yeah. them from getting there happily ever but like, after. Aragorn they was, were on what, a break. It's fine. He was, like, you know, he was, he was very much ready to kind of like, well, it's been a couple months, so right. why not? You know, yeah. it seemed like there were they, he was on that trajectory. It made sense, and he got it. Like, cool. So... But yeah, I think we're all pretty much standing in this exact same place for the most part. I was so. the only Except one that was slightly ben. different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, slightly different. That's because you have a thing for blondes. I could have been. <laughs> what? There's not some. There's something that's not necessarily untrue about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, but I also could have been a jerk and said you kill Samwise, but I would have been crucified at this <gasps> table. Yes. Yeah. And we were like, goodbye, Ben. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Never to be heard from again. <laughs> Welcome to Ben's final episode of the Gavin Crew Task all right, so why don't we go around the table real quick, talk about what is going on in everyone's world currently, and then we will say goodbye, and then we will come back again next month to do this all over again. Uh, yeah, so you and I are getting ready to wrap up our DC Primetime podcast. Uh, we have one episode left to record, uh, which is going to be... I'm looking forward to it, actually. I am really excited yeah, to have my I'm time back. I'm really excited about it. <laughs> uh, but other than that, I have the showcase, the the Spotlight podcast, which is my celebrity interview podcast. I have the the We Have to Go Back Lost Revisited podcast. And in addition to the podcasting, I am excited that I am going to be auditioning for a role for the first time in a long time, that I will be auditioning for the musical Spamalot. Yay. Which I'm really looking forward to. I'm Break really a leg. Thank you. Break the legs of your competition. Um, I they will, I will reserve the, the websites and everything for you at the end. Okay. Cap? Um, I have the second in my Paranormal Steampunk series is coming out in April. And I will be finishing either this or next month the next in my fey romance series is and the out. name of the book that is coming out <laughs> oh uh, of coppers and cracksmen part of what series the whitfield files by what publisher by totally bound publishing and it can be found where <laughs> online i feel like this needs to happen every podcast it, does. if it doesn't already yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean it can be found in on amazon or most other retailers uh online awesome <laughs> Jess. Uh, just living that bookseller life right now. Hit me up for book recommendations, I guess. Uh, playing with the new puppy. New baby. Oh, yeah. I do freelance editing. I've got some of that going on right now. So hit me up online. Uh, JessicaJRosana.com. R-O-S-S-A-N-A. That's also where you can find all my social media. Cool. Jada. Um, doing that nerd bomb thing. Um, so raising kids. Being a badass. Uh, also teaching Bombay Jam at uh, the Brandywine YMCA on Sundays at 1130 and Tuesday evenings at 715. So come and check out a class. If you're not a member, let me know. Um, I can sneak you in with me. It'll be great. Time. For those of you that aren't aware, that is, you don't know where we record from, but that is outside the Philadelphia suburbs. So 
Uh, as for me, you can also find me and the rest of the podcast through the nextlevelnetwork.com. Uh, this podcast um, is going to be going into episode 62 next month, and then we will be talking about time travel. Yeah, so, yeah, uh, so Because there are so many fun things we can talk about with that, which will be a blast. But again, as Ben mentioned too, DC is wrapping up. Uh, that is not the end of our podcast endeavors. We yeah. have a new show that will be starting off sometime in the summer that we're still kind of shopping around some thoughts and ideas on. Uh, and obviously, much later in the year, you know, what, um, Still Afraid of the Dark will be coming back as well. But it'll be nice to get a nice break for a little bit. Uh, but until then, uh, we'll see you guys back for episode 62 for time travel. And then we have a ton of new content coming all throughout the rest of the year through Caffeine Crew Cast of Pods. So until then, take care.